the footage in the background. Hello, everybody. We have the gaming is back for this week. Um, F Sports Goofs number 51, me, Francisco, Andrew across for me, Charles very far away on phone. And I, I'm talking like a caveman for now. Anyways, You're talking like uh, <laughs> Captain Kirk. Captain Kirk. <laughs> Andrew is oh my gosh! For me oh boy! My table. All right. So yes, and Andrew is enjoy is helping himself to a nice helping of uh, NHL 2K11 for the Nintendo Wii. He is currently losing right now, one nothing to the Florida Panthers. I'm much better at the EA version of these, if I'm being honest. Okay. So uh, lots to talk about. Uh, important games for tonight: Clippers versus 76ers. We're going to see how far the Sixers can fall. Uh, Boston Celtics versus Houston Rockets, who are also kind of a bit of a fraud of a team. Houston, at least. Uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning face the Pittsburgh Penguins tonight. So that's a very nice matchup. And then the Carolina Hurricanes are off in Dallas facing the Dallas Stars. So that's a good one to, to look out for tonight. If you're going to watch a game, those are probably the four games that you're going to watch tonight. While we, we talk about... I actually have one to add in there. Um, tonight is the women's bean pot f- final between bean pot college hockey, women's college hockey. Uh, who is who is playing again? I think it's uh, I think it's Boston University and uh, Northeastern, just like the men's. Let me double check on that. So yes, I'm correct. It was, it's the Boston University Terriers. Against the Northeastern Huskies. Yay. Okay. So let's, uh, I guess we can try and figure out what we're going to talk about first. And I guess we can just dive right into baseball because spring training has officially started. At least pitchers and catchers have reported today. So uh, yay to that because soon enough we'll be sitting around but the uh, watching baseball. But um, Major League Baseball might be losing its mind trying to get the the youngins to watch the sport because they have proposed changes to their playoff format, which makes it it's, it's kind of weird. It's kind of out there. I, I don't know what they are thinking. If this is, I don't know who was planning this, but uh, have you guys seen this yet? Do I have to explain it? I can explain it. Yeah, well, for people out there. Okay, so Major League Baseball has proposed changes to their playoff format. Currently, the format is you have National League and the American League on on both sides. Uh, On one side, you have three division winners, the East, the Central, and the West. And those three teams get a, a playoff spot if they win their division. Then you have the two wild card teams. Uh, or t- essentially two teams fighting for the wild card. They play in the, the wild card game, the play-in game, to have the privilege of facing the best of the division winners in their respective leagues. Then from there, you have uh, uh, the divisional round, division series, uh, four, four teams on each side facing each other, and then that gets whittled down to the championship series, which then gets whittled down to the final two teams in the World Series. That's the way it's been for at least the last almost a decade now. And uh, Major League Baseball has proposed a change which would have 
even more teams in the playoffs. So that would right now it's five teams ish, five teams you would say, really, and they would expand this to seven teams. And this is how the this is how it would look uh, in the first round. So seven teams in each league. The top. So you'll have you'll still have the three division winners. The top division winner in each league gets a bye round. Basically, kind of like the NFL, where the best division winner uh, doesn't get to play that first uh, divisional round of, of uh, or the wild card round of the of the playoffs. So then, those teams, uh, the rest of the teams, the first round is a best two of three this time instead of the division series, which is best three of five. The second best division winner that's left gets to choose their first round opponent. Uh, of the wild card teams that are there, which is kind of odd. Uh, so the, they'll have the pick of the litter of three of the um, the wild card teams. So th- there'll be an added wild card team and no play in game anymore. The next division winner would then choose their opponent, and then the final two wild card teams would just face off against each other with the best of them having home. Uh, home field advantage I I don't know why baseball is doing this it seems like they're just trying to uh, improve one of this one of the suggestions is that they're trying to improve fan interest which would then improve attendance and I, I find it really stupid because I think there's enough playoff teams as it is. Uh, we don't like sometimes even like like the NBA when they have 16 teams out of 30 in the playoffs. That seems ridiculous, especially in the Eastern Conference when the bottom two teams, uh, the seventh and eighth seed, probably don't even belong anywhere near a postseason. Um, and really, the I, I mean, baseball is trying so hard to. I don't know. Do a, how do you do, fellow kids? I have no idea. Like Steve Buscemi trying to get to appeal to the kids. I, I've joked that maybe they should just have a Fortnite tournament, and that would determine the the division winners in the playoffs or something like that. If they're trying really hard to to get young fans to to watch them, I've I've said many times the Major League Baseball season is way too long, especially for nowadays. Uh, Molly Knight, who writes about baseball on Twitter, she said that if Major League Baseball wants to improve fan interest, maybe they should stop with the blackouts of certain games because in a lot of markets you can't even watch your own team play online. They should be able, people should be able to stream the games. Uh, the NFL has been really good about that the last few seasons. Uh, you can stream the game if you have like an Amazon account or even on Twitter. They've been, they've been. Uh, uh, broadcasting games on Twitter for free uh, to be more accessible to everybody because people, are, yeah, yeah, YouTube That's TV, yeah, and uh, they're uh, they're trying really hard to appeal to everybody. They know a lot of people are cutting the cable, um, especially uh, young people. So Major League Baseball is still tied to cable companies and things like that. So uh, she made the 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 suggestion that instead of changing the playoff format change the way baseball is consumed 
by people, make it more accessible. That way, you, I mean, the days of 40,000 people going to baseball game every game is probably gone. That's why baseball new ballparks are getting smaller and smaller and adding more amenities, making it more of an experience like going to an amusement park than anything else. So that's what I think. I think baseball, rather than doing this crazy thing, trying to look, I, I, I mean, I'd be happy if the Marlins made the playoffs because <laughs> it'd be the first time in almost 20 years that they would do it. But if it's only to play in a, um, if it's only because they're 80 and 82 and they get, they barely get into this playoff system and they face off against a team that's won 105 games and gets swept immediately out of the playoffs, <laughs> I don't know how much that is going to engage fan interest here. It's like they got in by default almost. Well, let me, let me counter that argument. That last one. I mean, I'm not a. I'm I'm coming around to most of it, uh, but let me counter that last argument that you were talking about that they would get absolutely defeated. Uh, I can't believe I'm bringing this up. This hurts my heart. Last year's Easter Conference quarterfinals: Tampa Bay Lightning, <clears throat> Columbus Blue Jackets. No one gave Columbus a rat's chance in hell. Of winning, let alone sweeping the Tampa Bay Lightning, who were a team for the ages in the regular season. There were people who said that they didn't belong on the same ice. They believed that, uh, I think some people were saying basically they didn't belong in the playoffs. But here they are. They made it, like, what, to the second, third round? Second round? And they swept. A team that was, I think, tied for the most points in league history. So you never know. I mean, look at March Madness. You've got UMBC defeats number one overall seed, not just the number one seed, the number one overall seed, Virginia, and changes history forever. It's all about the underdogs. I think. Well, if Major League Baseball is getting to the point where they have to introduce chaos in order to make the game interesting, I, I don't know how. I, I don't think that's a good idea. I, I get your point. I get uh, that you could you could basically have a team throw out their ace pitcher, um, and you could have a team that just only has two really good pitchers, and and they barely make it into the playoffs, and they beat the second best of the division teams and make it to the next round. That could. They could win two games right there. But uh, first off, that's unfair for the team that won 100-and-something games just to lose out like that. Uh, second of all, I um, I think Major League Baseball is too afraid to, to shorten the schedule. I mean, if they're trying to gauge fan interest, then shorten the schedule. Make it more interesting. Make each game more impactful if you shorten the schedule. Look. I know the Marlins are going to be out of it by the end of May. <laughs> so shorten the schedule and let me get on with, with my life after that. Um, a lot of teams, they already know that they're making the playoffs by by August. So shorten the schedule. Make that uh, something that's 
that's not as as long and tedious as sometimes the major league baseball season does get it, it's there's other ways to do this i know they're trying to speed the game up and all this other jazz but um if if you're trying to inter speed the game up try to do more action by changing the baseball so they can fly more all this other jazz then let's go let's go with the extreme shorten the schedule make things more impactful don't I mean this is this is even more of an extreme measure by going with the chaos thing but uh, that's what I've said uh, Charles we haven't heard from me what do you think all right <clears throat> so a couple of things to Andrew's point I get it but I don't think it's necessarily about the underdog putting up the fight for the expectation of surprise I think it's about that the last couple of years the team that came behind the second wild card leader or winner lost out and that would be who was it last cleveland i believe missed out on it uh the indians because it was the rays and then the oakland athletics yeah the last they... the last couple of seasons you've had the tampa bay rays um miss the playoffs be with like 90 plus wins uh because the a's won 100 and then last season, the Cleveland Indians missed the playoffs because the A's and the Rays both won like 95 plus games and the Indians won like 92 or something like that. So, and yeah. another, yeah, and another team to go on was the Boston Red Sox 84 78 because, you know, apparently they went green and didn't use trash cans for their season last year. And then looking at 20 for the NL, you had the Mets at a healthy 86 and 76, the Cubs at an 84 78, Arizona Diamondbacks at 85 77. So I think. The idea is that we want to appease these the, these multi-region fan bases because what do a lot of them have in common aside from Boston? They're not necessarily the big market teams. Um, so maybe the idea is, you know, more people in there gets more um, more viewers. This feels to me like the Gru meme, you know, when he has the little bulletin board, where they do all those changes in the last two uh, if you haven't seen the meme template, please. Yes. Uh, so you go from there. And I think the last two blank spots would be lose more viewers, lose more viewers. And I think that's what would happen for a couple of reasons. One, baseball's too long. Francisco has talked about this. I am in much agreement. But the thing is, how are you going to approach it? Because baseball is long in two ways. Baseball is long in the duration of the game time. Baseball is long in duration of the season. So you have to kind of figure out, this is not an issue to figure out now, it's really for the next collective bargaining agreement. But do you want to do the typical, what, 152, 161, whatever the hell it is, 162, it's like counting Pokemon, um, schedule length, or do you want to do, it's 162, because that, and you have playoffs, and playoffs is usually what, first round best of five, next round best of seven, um, a little bit on that in a second. Or do you want to shorten up the ratio and go from nine innings to seven? No. And the problem no. is, well, you know, these are debates that kind of come in because you kind of can't do shorten to the seven, right? Because then you eliminate, not only do you eliminate really players because setup relievers have no more of a purpose these days, you're also cutting in a lot of people's money because that means the money that we pay for Garrett Cole and his you know, damn $300 million contract becomes for what a smaller amount of innings or smaller plays because if you shorten the season you're not getting as many starts granted what a, a good starting pitcher who's healthy gets about 30 starts and only wins at a max like 20 so maybe you have room for error so it doesn't work here's another thing you're giving up on the wild card system i feel by doing this excessive inclusion you got to i would propose that instead of making this do or die one day after just do a best out of three just so you get 
because let's be fair here. Sometimes those wildcard teams are just as equally good as the teams that go on to uh, Andrew's perspective. So I think you're, everybody kind of likes, even the casual fans like playoff anything. So I think expanding to a two out of three doesn't necessarily save the season for being too long, but what it does is it keeps people invested in good teams. Case in point, Kansas City Royals. Didn't care about them, you know, up until their 2014-2015 their season when they won the World Series, and then they became ride or dies because they were an entertaining story. It gives that opportunity for that wild card team to be like, they had to come in, barely on the fringe of it, and then they won, and now they face this team, now they face that team. Um, I think it rewards if you just focus on the wild card as opposed to including more people, um, you reward those, you know, the fans, you reward the team and you give it its publicity that it needs because let's be fair here, do or die doesn't actually matter in basically what is to be considered the preliminaries of playoffs. That's what I consider these this one game do or die because all you're doing is just having short rest and then you have to go on to the next one. So I don't know if that's something I would agree with. And then two, it's just baseball's I don't baseball is not a dying sport. It still makes a ton of money from cable. Yeah, and it's still they've they've, a lot of they've been trending upwards with the amount of money they've been getting. It's just yeah. attendance and viewership is kind of steadily declining. Yeah, and and that's fine because everybody has that proceed. There's going to be a point where you know basketball will have that. Basketball's on the up and up out of all the sports personally speaking. And then you have football that eventually will have a decline. Part of it is the old school mentality of, they don't hit like they used to, and they can't catch balls. Well, I don't care. You're, you are not a professional, mister. I've never done any kind of football in my life. And if you did, you probably have CTE, which is what they're trying to avoid. But that's a different story for a different day. I think you want to get more viewerships. Francisco talked about, but I will go even more. Broaden your scope of audience. Get away from just the U.S. viewership. A good portion of your players are, uh, you know, Latin America, Central American, it's an international sport. It really is baseball. It, it affects everybody. You have the World Baseball Classic, which is real. Which you know, they have like expanded now, actually. But yeah, yeah, but just, just go all in, right? I mean, you know, you, the international NBA is big because it actually takes in part a big portion of the international pool. International pool. You have Chris Porzingis, and then you have Luka Doncic, and then every other white European on the Mavericks, because they're the only ones that recruit people. Um, but they get superstars from there. If you go all in, the, all in on the whole international signings without being corrupt, because I think there's a little bit of, uh, you know, some corruption, because if you notice, the people actually get the good international signings are just the teams with the biggest amount of money. Um, but that's a different story for a different day because I don't know enough about international pooling aside from the fact that you put a bid in for a player, not just for the player, but also for the team that, you know, they're defecting from or coming over from. But, you know, go all in because I always laugh and maybe this is the ignorance of the players in the sport, but whenever you win the Super Bowl and someone says, we're world champions, I'm like, we're the only continent <laughs> that plays this. You're not literally going against the world, but with baseball, you can kind of, it has that world effect. So that's where you need to expand. You need to, you need to expand on your know, YouTube stuff, or you have to make people want to get MLB TV or the MLB, MLB.com packaging. Well, that's the but issue that's that uh, Molly Knight was talking about is that people do get MLB TV, but they'll be blacked out from watching their own local team because they need a cable subscription and all this other jazz. So there's some sort of, there's archaic stuff within the system that is preventing more viewership. So it's like, oh, well, I guess I won't watch the team that's here, which will prevent me from, okay, well, I maybe I like them, maybe I don't, I don't know. 
I'm not going to go watch them now. I'm just going to keep watching my team. I don't know. There's just, there's just some things that Major League Baseball can do. More forward-thinking stuff, which is kind of surprising because they were kind of the pioneers in this at the beginning. Well, I think part of the other problem is, too, is that they got not lost with the times, but they didn't have a transmutable appeal because what does the NBA and the NFL have? Crossover to entertainment and to media. Um, you have, like, NBA, they can, you can get a Bumble, like, sponsorship for the LA Clippers. You know, just like Microsoft will be next with uh, Bomber having the team. You can have in the NFL, like, the... the the mainstream field, just even NFL. You want to kind of watch any NFL a little bit if you see um the bad uh, lip mouthing or whatever they call it yeah. that you see all the time on the yeah. Facebook feeds. You know, there, there's just a crossover appeal. And baseball, it's not because really what baseball just is in the modern media stream is just you know controversy and more controversy. That's it. You know, it's just you know a couple of years ago it's steroids and the, the the highlight appeal comes in from South Park. You're really kind of made the butt of the jokes. Wait till next season and then. I'm sure they're going to revisit somebody hitting like you know trash cans. So maybe if you find a way to cross over into the media or to the entertainment, I don't know how because baseball neuters personality. I, I mean Jesus Christ. I, I agree with you there hugely. Yeah, so it's like I, I I don't know which one to do. And I'm not. And you mentioned the Steve Buscemi, but it's not so much of the Steve Buscemi mindset. It's just. There's a difference between kids' love for the game growing up into adults who stay with their love of the game versus just can you make me just want to watch on that day versus something else. And, you know, I, I would kind of venture that growing up as a kid or growing up in a kid in today's times, baseball is probably safer than football. But that doesn't mean the parents are like, watch this baseball game, watch this football game, whatever. It, what's gonna it's not like you to EVE Online, which is our sponsor for today. <laughs> yeah, and, and pe- play EVE Online, you know. Uh, on uh, your best single server MMO, you know, massively multiplayer online is a great effect. You know, we don't do it anymore because we're not 14 with acne, even though we did mention some RuneScape, but that's because it's nostalgia and we do love it. Um, <laughs> uh, we, we go from there. Granted, I was looking up on some X-Men Legends and wonder if they just did an MMO of that. That'd be fantastic. But to cut it short uh, from my end, because I know it took up a lot of our time, it's just... It, it is it, it's 2K it, hockey, by the way. 10 4 on 420. I like that 420. <laughs> um, yes, it is. 10 4, good buddy. NHL 2K11 for the Wii. That's how it's that's probably... how far back we're, we're, we're taking this. So this but is NHL 90 4, right? That's still the best hockey game. Uh, I don't know. I'm partial, some... to, I'm partial NHL 98. Yeah, so it depends. It depends on on who you ask. If old school people grew up Sega Genesis, Super Nintendo. They'll they'll say '94. Uh, even EA still has like NHL '94 controls in the modern games. But a lot of people, uh, like some of the modern games, NHL '09 is pretty good. Some of the like PS2, Xbox, GameCube era ones are really good. Uh, I, I, I don't know. This is the one that was on the Wii, exclusive to the Wii, because of the motion controls. But and it, this is a long, long time ago. 2K11, so this came out in 2010. Okay, I do agree with you. What you said, baseball is neutering a lot of personalities. They used to be more, I guess, cool about that. Uh, they've been trying, but they, they, they haven't really had any... Like, like Mike Trout is buried in Anaheim, and he's like the best player of this generation, and yet... I don't see him plastered all over the place. Granted, 
The Angels haven't been good. I mean, you would love it if it was um, like way back when, when you had more marketable players, Derek Jeter and and uh, Ken Griffey Jr. and uh, you have Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa. Those type of guys were, were really, really fun. But, um, um, oh yeah, they do have Zamboni races in this game, uh, 420. Oh God, I love saying that. <laughs> uh, uh, anyways, uh, that's that's Major League Baseball's problems. That's the NHL's problems. Both of them. And if you've noticed, NBA has been fantastic promoting their players, whether they're in a small market or not. Um, Jonas is out in Milwaukee, and he's plastered all over commercials, all over the place. Um, and if NFL actually does a pretty good job too, freaking like you have a guy like Aaron Rodgers, State Farm commercials, Green Bay, smallest market in professional sports outside of I think Winnipeg. Um, uh, pa- Patrick Mahomes, Kansas City. They're not in Los Angeles. They're not in New York. They're not in Boston or Chicago. They're they're in the smaller markets, and yet those guys get prominent FaceTime in front of uh, all your screens all over the place. So baseball needs to take a hard look on how they promote themselves along with the NHL because uh, the fellow kids like personalities. I mean, you see it on YouTube and stuff with freaking streamers on Twitch and like Ninja and these other people, their personalities, people just gravitate towards them and they follow them. So that's kind of the stuff here. I mean, heck, we got a T-Rex now as the face of our of our, of our of our channel now. And what's his name? Jetersaurus Rex. So uh, Jetersaurus Rex, we have a photo of him on our on Instagram page, instagram.com slash sportsgoose, at sportsgoose, whatever you want to call it. Uh, that's where you can find our, our, our beautiful, beautiful boy, Jeter Soros Rex, who will uh, guard us and protect us and and uh, will, will flip us for assets. Uh, so, yeah. Anyways, um, yeah, join the record-breaking single-player uh, MMO, freaking Eve. I mean, it's, sheesh. It's, it's a great experience. And yeah, Andrew, fantastic job showcasing the Zamboni mode here. <laughs> okay, so I guess we can stay on the topic of baseball because the Astros fallout continues. I was watching some Yes Network highlights today talking about Carlos Beltran being one of the ringleaders of the Astros garbage can uh, freaking cheating scandal. The, uh, there was, uh, a, I guess, a report or some source, that some somebody uh, that talked about how Carlos Beltran was being, um, was like Bar- Brian McCann, catcher, was pleading to Beltran and and I guess Alex Cora and and, and their whatever their their faction that was doing this to we got to stop this like it's getting too much like. Like we, we got to stop this this whole uh, banging garbage can thing. But I guess Beltran kind of got the uh, because he was this elder statesman of the team said like no we got to keep going whatever this is you know this is working all the guys are behind it they're behind me this and that he just used his his clout and all that stuff to kind of override Brian McCann and some other teammates that had some concerns about this and even AJ Hinch who just had an interview with MLB Network, which went awful, by the way. I don't know why he went there. I don't know why he's going... I mean, I don't know if you guys seen BoJack Horseman. 
the last few mm. few episodes, but it kind of, I mean, not to that extreme, but it's like, why are you going and putting your face up there when you're not prepared for this? Um, AJ Hinch didn't deny what was going on, especially with the whole buzzer thing, because that's the whole buzzer thing. Uh, if you do, if uh, Ch- I, I'm sure Charles remembers when uh, Jose Altuve hit that home run against Aroldis Chapman. Trods. And, <clears throat> and didn't want his shirt ripped off because... Uh, there, there, there might have been a buzzer underneath, and Ken Rosenthal was interviewing him after the game, and he was saying how, oh, I, my, my wife didn't want me to uh, get my shirt ripped off. She gets mad at me. Uh, you know, uh, I, I'm a shy guy. And I think who was it? There was, um, it might have been Giraffnik Mark. I don't know if you guys have heard of him on YouTube. He's a baseball YouTuber. He's got a great channel, by the way. If you haven't seen it, go watch it. He breaks down a lot of good stuff there. Um, uh, Foolish Baseball is also a, a good one. And he's like, uh, I think that he asked like a professional psychiatrist or psychologist. I don't know which one, which one's which. I'm sure Andrew knows exactly the difference. Psychiatrists can prescribe meds. Psychologists can't. Okay, so uh, an expert in, in that's a that's a very very basic definition it's it's much more complex than that but that's kind of your base discri- uh, distinction i guess so they they asked him to break down altuve's response to ken rosenthal after when after hitting that home run to send the astros to the world series and he basically broke him down like uh like a uh, someone who can detect somebody who's lying is basically like, well, he asked him to repeat the question. That's a telltale sign that you're lying because you're trying to buy time. Then he gives two excuses, which is two very different excuses, and trying to shrug it off by laughing, which is another telltale sign that you're lying. And um, guys, they they did it. They they cheated. They cheated their way to the 2017 World Series championship. And I mean, I do not acknowledge them as the world champions anymore for that season. I don't. I strongly, um, I, I don't recognize Jose Altuve. I don't recognize Jose Altuve as the MVP for that season either. I, I, I actually don't even acknowledge Alex Bregman for his MVP season because he just had uh, a, an interview recently where he just basically just kept spouting off the commissioner made his report just go see the report to several questions it is bad it is real bad i i i I, i'm very disappointed i really am uh and i actually got there was somebody uh, of course astros twitter fans are on and they're trying to find a way to to justify this or trying to shrug it off or trying to say that we're all overreacting and they're like look what what one of the Astros fans and I replied on our sports goofs Twitter at sports underscore goofs and he said basically okay we've apologized for this this and that what more do you guys want from us do you guys want us to jump off a cliff what are we gonna do it's time to move on what else do you guys want us to do and my response was, it's not the fact that 
you guys have apologized that you guys continued to cling on to the rings and that World Series trophy. And all you guys got was a slap on the wrist of $5 million, which is nothing, nothing to a billion dollar team um, and to an owner like that. It, you guys still have the World Series trophy. So yes, go jump off the cliff. But if you're still clinging to the World Series trophy and the, and the rings on your hands, then what's then your apology and your extreme jumping off the cliff and firing Hinch and firing the GM and all this other jazz means nothing. It means nothing. It doesn't solve anything. You know, in NCAA, one of the few things they actually do get right is when they have these controversies uh, with regards to a championship, they strip the championship from a team. Uh, it happened to the, the USC Trojans. It happened to them. Man, if, if Rob Badford had some balls like Adam Silver did, uh, I think he would, he should have been like, okay, the 2017 World Series Championship is vacated. Nobody won it. Not the Dodgers, not the Yankees, not whoever. And it will just treat it like the 94 season. There's no World Series champion for that, for that, uh, for that season. That's what I think should have happened. That's the extreme punishment there. Okay, $5 million fine, suspend Hinch, suspend all these other guys. But vacate the championship. Okay, guys, keep your rings. You can pawn them off later off in your life when, you're, when, you've, when you've gambled away all your, your money. But it's, it's not, okay, Jose Altuve, Bregman, all these guys, Justin Verlander. Dear God, Justin Verlander. Man, I feel sorry for you. Uh, all those years, Beltran, all those years working, building up a reputation, all this other stuff just to have it completely tarnished like that. Verlander's going to get in the Hall of Fame, but that championship is tainted. I mean, I, um, I mean, did you guys see, and I don't know, I, I probably should have linked it. I might link it later on in the description. Um, did you guys see um, Mike Clevenger for the Cleveland Indians pitcher, his YouTube interview about this? So basically, and go watch it, go search for it. Um, basically, like, he, he rakes them over the coals. Like, you guys have not only tainted the game, but you've cost guys their jobs and Andrew I know you wanted to get into this because we actually have a pitcher who is who wants to sue the Houston Astros I mean I don't see that lawsuit going anywhere if I'm being honest because how can you prove that one bad outing against a team that was cheating derailed your career it's I mean, I haven't looked at his stats, if I'm being honest, but apparently he wasn't that good of a pitcher, wasn't stellar. And I I don't know if you noticed the dig here, is that the damages he's seeking are not for him. He actually wants damages to go to, like, charities and things like that. Like, he's trying to make this as good as possible, where it's not benefiting him at all, outside of just a, a based-on-principle type of thing. I mean, I wonder, I mean, again, I'm a bit rusty on law, especially CivPro, but I don't know. Can you donate your, not winnings, your damages to charity? Does that kind of defeat the purpose of a, of a case in controversy? 
Well, if you have damages awarded to you, you can donate to whoever, right? I mean, you you can't like you can't file for the charity and be like, oh, the um, I want to say this, the Toronto Blue Dogs, because I know he was a Toronto Blue Jays player, so forgive me, suffered this because the state of baseball is bad. No, but if he like let's say ideally won damages, he could do whatever he wants to do with the money. It's his money, right? Mm -hmm. Him doing it on a charitable means might be questionable, but you know. Have to take us on legal 101 from probably the person who's the least adept to ever talk about anything scholarly in the name of uh, the Argentinian ace. <laughs> yes, I got to use it. I'm happy. Um, but yeah, I mean, ideally, if he won damages, he can, he can award it to whoever, right? It's like building a trust. I don't know. What's he going to do? Like protect the trash cans, collective trust? Stop the trash can banging. Oscar the Grouch lives there. So here are the damages he's seeking. Uh, unspecified damages, but they're not all for himself. He wants the Astros to forfeit the roughly $31 million in bonuses from their ill-gotten World Series title and for the money to go to charities in Los Angeles focused on bettering kids' lives as well as to create a fund for retired baseball players who need financial assistance. Throw in some puppies and some seals in there, and dear God, this guy looks like an angel. If he, <laughs> yeah. if he were to win this lawsuit... Yeah, well, to answer that question, I mean, it's just an intention, but I, I think that's too far down the line. You still have to be able to get at the court to file it if he hasn't filed it already, and I don't know what his claim would be. I mean, I think it's possible for him to get into court because, you know, there is a case or controversy, but whether they laugh him out of the court is another matter altogether. And even if the court does take the case... I really don't see how he could win this. Because, Is this one of those? I'm sorry, go ahead. Because, I mean, for those who don't know, the it's called the... Um, uh, crap, what is it called? The standard of proof. Uh, the standard of proof, you know, in criminal cases is beyond a reasonable doubt. When it comes to civil cases, that's lawsuits, um, it's preponderance of the evidence, which is a fancy way of saying more likely than not or 50.01% uh, likely that what you're saying happened. Um, so you don't have to meet that uber high 100%. Honestly, even like this, it's a Hail Mary type of loss. It's a Hail Mary to use another but sports But even term. then, the whole, it's, it's a principle thing. It's definitely a principle thing, especially... You know, kudos to him for if he wins anything, it would go to charity. But I mean, either way, if the Astros are going to fight this thing hard, oh, they, they still look like the assholes in the whole thing. <laughs> right. And Major League Baseball as well. I mean, it's it's a win win for him. He could lose, but he makes them look bad or he somehow wins. And I mean, it's a brilliant move from a PR standpoint, but I, as I was, as you counterpointed Charles with uh, Chen Wei Yin uh, being a terrible uh, pitcher who's still in the league, how can you say? Don't remind me about he's still what he did. He was the worst. <laughs> he, he, worst. He was the one that brought it up. Not me. He was the one that brought it up. But <laughs> how can you? Jadersaurus, please protect us. <laughs> but the, the name of Wei and Chen has been uttered. But how can you honestly say that the reason he's out of the league is because of that one game? 
it's not like Justin Verlander. I mean, he's not going to be reporting to any spring training complexes this this season. Right. But, like, let's say, for instance... Um, yeah, I mean, who's like, to uh, say? Let's say, like, uh, but, Kershaw. Yeah. Let's, uh, say, let's say Kershaw, because he did play against the Astros. Um, if he lost his job over one bad outing, well, not a good example, because he always sucks in the playoffs. Um, who's another... You Darvish? Maybe? Yeah, you. You suffered pretty hard. If he was fired after one bad outing against a cheating team, maybe. Because he he's a good he's an above average pitcher. This guy, what's his name again? Sorry? Bolsinger. The pitcher. Bolsinger? Yes. I mean, I, I don't... Mike Bolsinger. Mike Bolsinger. I don't have his stats in front of me. Okay, so let me let me go back here on the USA Today article about it. So, um, uh, let's see. He was lit up for four runs on four hits and three walks in the third of an inning. 29 pitches to be exact on August 4th, 2017 against the Astros. Um, he was a journeyman throughout his career. Drafted 15th round out of Arkansas, so he's a Razorback. I don't know what that means for anybody else, but take it for what you will. What, um, Razorback? Yeah. University of Arkansas. Yeah, I know. Oh. I'm just saying, just gotcha. form your opinions however you want <laughs> based on that, too. Um, he was uh, he was 29 years old. He was converted from a starting pitcher to a reliever. Um, just Here, I'm looking up his stats right now. Yeah, go ahead. I mean, it's... Okay, it, so... Uh, gotta love this website, baseballreference.com. Uh, baseball-reference.com. So he played for four seasons. He's been out of the league. His last year was in 2017. He's going into his age 32 year, so he's not coming back into the league, unfortunately, because he's getting a bit up there in age, relatively speaking. He is 8 and 19. Over his four-year career, eight and nineteen in the regular season. Like I said, he's no you Darvish, who's an above-average pitcher who got beat up in a game, and uh, that's something else entirely. But this is a below-average pitcher at best. Um. He has a 296 winning percentage. His ERA is 4.92. And he only played 48 games. Like, I don't see how you can honestly prove, even by 50.01%, by preponderance of the doubt, that one game, is it, it could be just a coincidence that they said, you know what, enough of you, you suck. Uh, we're, we're tired of you blowing games. It could be just an entire coincidence that the one game that he faced a cheating team was the game that he got the boot. It's, you know, straw that ca- broke the camel's back. There has to be enough straw ahead of time for the camel's back to be broken. And obviously there was, because he went 8 for 19. Uh, 8 for 18 if you don't include the game in question. I really can't see how this would hold any weight. I don't know. What do you guys think? 
I, I don't think it's going to get anywhere, to be honest. But once again, the point is not to win it. I think the whole point is to make a, a stand, a statement, a principle type of thing. And to not let the Astros continue to let... Because Major League Baseball wants to sweep this away as quickly as possible. And it's not going away. It's not... Yeah, well... <laughs> uh, it, it, they can't throw this thing in the trash, basically. They're trying to. They're trying as hard as they can, but they can't. And it's going to loom over the entire season. People are mm. like... People are, are, are trying to guess... what trying to figure out the single season record for most hit by pitches for for a team in a single season and they're thinking the Astros <laughs> might be able to break it this year cuz i honestly man I, if i was every if i was the manager of all these teams i'd be like just fucking nail Altuve right now <laughs> just just nail him just we'll, we'll, we'll do the bench clearing brawl let's do it you know what i'll fight oh no aj hitch isn't there anymore like uh, it would be nice if you could fight him um who is their manager? Well, whatever. Dusty uh, Baker. Oh, we like yeah. Dusty. <laughs> yeah, well, Karma. Dusty. Yeah, Karma, yeah, leave, yeah, leave Dusty Baker alone. Okay, so I want to I want to address a, com- a comment here uh, from ten four on four twenty. Nice. Um, well, a couple. Uh, well, first, Houston should never move to the American League. I agree with you. Um, although it kind of makes the unevenness thing a bit uneven but i don't know i i, I, I still I, have a feeling baseball is going to find some way to expand to more cities i feel they like will, they I, will if they're going to do this whole extreme playoff thing they're going to try and expand to montreal and x city in the west somewhere relocate them no shut up you <laughs> shut up you Charles. Shut up, you. I mean, they don't have to completely relocate. Just half the season in Montreal, half the season Shut up, you. Just the snowbirds. Both of you shut up. The snow rays or whatever. Both the y'all Tampa shut Bay up. Tampa Bay Expos. Um, Come on. Although, I, I do find the the berets to be clever, considering that... The uh, X-rays, too. That's a good one. The X-rays is a good one. <laughs> berets is clever, considering that it's a French-Canadian city, um, and berets are very French. Anyway, um, Vancouver should have the team instead. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I'll be honest. I think if Montreal does not get a team, I think the I, next su- viable option would be Vancouver. I'm surprised Major League Baseball hasn't. I mean, I mean, the NBA tried Vancouver. That didn't work out, but only because. They had awesome jerseys. Though, well, they had bad. awesome jerseys, but, of course, bad ownership leads to that. I mean, if the. If they had the same type of ownership the Raptors had, I'm sure the Grizzlies would have stayed in Vancouver. Um, well, Vancouver's... It's only, the, I think, three hours away from Seattle. Yeah, I think the BC place only... I think it has a baseball configuration, but they renovated it recently, so they might not have it anymore. Uh, regardless, I don't know. Anyways, um, but that's a whole different other thing. Although the thing that might derail that is that uh, Portland is making a strong push for a team. Well, that could be a nice West team to be over there. I guess a natural rival for Seattle. Va- Vancouver or Portland, natural rivals for Seattle. Right. Um, um, so that was one comment from uh, from ten four. The other one, which is something that I wanted to address personally, and this is going to go over a bit into past the two hour, uh, the one hour mark, but I don't know, we'll just make it up later. This is something that I wanted to address. If Altuve makes the Hall of Fame, so should Pete Rose. This was something interesting that I I was considering. So correct me if I'm wrong, 
but Pete Rose, I mean, admittedly, he gambled uh, on himself and his team. But as someone pointed out, the way that he was gambling, it would only... He was betting on himself and his team. It's not like he was betting on them to lose. And someone it's, who it's is... It's hard to deny 4,000 plus hits as is, someone throwing games. He's the MLB hits leader. Note that I said MLB. Because props to... Shout out and props to Ichiro for being the world hits holder between the NPB and the MLB. But he's the MLB hits leader, and it's not even close. Pete disagrees. <laughs> so, I mean, uh, but there's no indication, as far as I know, that he he broke rules. Obviously, there's an anti-gambling rule, but there's no indication that he tried to throw games or anything like that. Um, and you know, some people have said, well, if people from the steroid era can get into the hall of fame, he, so should he, I disagree with that take because steroids were never illegal until the mid two thousands. Um, so that's, that's not a fair equivalent argument. You're banning somebody for actually doing something illegal versus something that is morally wrong, but still legal. Compare to Altuve, uh, the Red Sox, the Astros, they actually did something illegal. That was in the books as being illegal. You are not allowed to use technology to steal signs. And like you mentioned earlier, they're not getting any sort of punishment because Manfred is a spineless something. Uh, didn't want to take on the extra effort to figure out who actually did something wrong and decide to give them a suspension. But I don't know. I think if one of those guys gets in and he negatively affected another team, it's it's indisputable, then, he, then Rose should get in because, yes, he did something illegal, but he didn't negatively affect any other teams. He positively affected himself and his team, if anything. What do you guys think? Comment on something real quick. You are all wrong. Pete Rose is already in the Hall of Fame. He is in the WWE Hall of Fame, if memory serves me correctly, to which Kane tombstoned him <laughs> in his induction. So, Well, that, that obviously saying. makes up for everything. Yeah, it, it does. I mean, would you rather be... I'd rather be inducted in something that obviously will induct both hypocrites and non-hypocrites alike versus the MLB, which just cherry picks generations of people they, you know, that pissed them off who shouldn't be inducted and people who played, uh, you know, poster child and got in. And I mean, all seriousness aside, because we know Charles got to be a jerk to the MLB and the Hall of Fame, because we all know I don't like the Hall of Fame. I think it's just silly. Um, except for the WWE Hall of Fame, which is the most legitimate thing, despite the fact that the Bushwhackers got in, but that's a different story for a different day. 4,000 hits, good manager, maybe shouldn't have betted, but, you know, there's a certain greatest basketball player of all time named Michael Jordan 
who betted, and it's one of the reasons he went on the hiatus. That's what speculation tells us. Betting isn't terrible. And here's the thing. Look at the times where we're at now. Isn't betting, like, legal or about to be legal, it, gentlemen? It's, it's so. creeping into sports, and that's why <laughs> – that's another thing why Major League Baseball wants to put this in, nip it in the bud because if we're going to make legalization of gambling universal for, for all the sports here, baseball needs to make sure – that their game is as clean as possible because uh, it's going to get real bad if, if betters can't pretty much, uh, you can't guarantee that the game will be played as pure as possible so that you can not have um, uh, these elements that could predetermine a game already there and basically make your, your bet uh, um, mute, moot or whatever or, or basically deter people from betting on your sport and then watching your sport because a lot of people who are not, like uh, I listen to Hawkman and Crowder, uh, local uh, radio guys here, and they bet on a ton of games. They bet on hockey and soccer and all that stuff. They don't watch. They're not really big fans of, of soccer or anything like that, but they'll watch the game because they got money riding on it. And then, you know, that gauges interest too. And baseball, and I know the NBA is really pushing really hard for it, but uh, it will benefit all these sports with regards to eyeballs seeing them. And baseball doesn't want that that bad juju entering into the into the sport uh, especially with uh, money riding on the line yeah, so That's, yeah. t- take that in consideration if the times are kind of accepting it and you can go with on a shadow of a doubt that pete rose didn't purposely you know tank games then it's all kind of misery. aren't you supposed to induct people because of what they meant to the game from the day they stepped onto the field to the day they retired no matter what position they had or are you going to cherry pick and how about this? Take away his manager, managerial uh, controversy, you induct Pete Rose, the player. Some things are as simple as as simple does, as Mama Gump said. Um, so that's my mindset. But yet also, let's take something about consideration of the MLB Hall of Fame. It's a bunch of antiquated, archaic, and I'll use another word, but I won't curse because I keep a PG Francisco, a-holes who kind of get together and their circle jerk of what they think the legacy and the uh, letter and intent of the game ought to be. But the letter and intent of the game of baseball has always been everybody kind of steals. Wasn't that the whole Astros thing, too? That they're saying, hey, these assholes have been cheating all the time. So, you know, <laughs> we do it as well. Yeah. We're just, you know, like I can because what they're essentially saying, if you read it the way that the Astro players do it or how they explain to it, and I think you guys would agree with me, too, they're really saying, all the other 29 clubs are currently doing it now. You just got the drop on us, and we are Takashi 6 ing it if we could, and we'll snitch it out. Because here's a thing I want you guys to kind of think about. It's a plant-based system, right? Because we all worked under this intern who suggested this idea, where AJ Hinch is the manager, and then we have Alex Cora, and then it branches out into all these other leagues. So now there's even controversy going into the Boston Red Sox, now the Mets, but what about all the other interim, uh, not interim, but what about all the other bench managers, position players, all these other people come into it? It's always gonna kind of be there. And who's to say, who's to say, let's really think about this here, that they're not gonna take an idea and innovate it to a different way. Cause isn't that mm-hmm. the way that all things function? You mm-hmm. innovate on the failures of the past. It's kind of like how we had internet. Long time ago, kids, for those who are listening, we had something called dial-up. <laughs> And we thought it sucked, so we innovated it to no longer where I can talk on the house phone and go on the internet at the same time. 
I know it's not the best example for some reason it jumps into my brain. Okay. So the sign stealing thing, instead of saying, hey, we're stealing from the trash can, they'll find new ways. Tablets, freaking, you know, Apple watches. I mean, you can't keep silent everything. What if you got a Bluetooth headset I mean, that's just inserted into the ear? I, I don't mind. I mean, yeah, it'll come up again. This isn't like, this isn't going to end anytime soon. But like I get, I don't mind the analog way of stealing a sign i don't mind like i don't mind if you have actually i wouldn't mind this if you just had a a relay of people some guy in center field that saw the sign and then he's like trying to relay it all the way back to the dugout with like, like a bunch of little kids and you know how the, the little whispering game that becomes a, a completely different thing by the time you reach the astros dugout it's like i think he's gonna throw i think he's going for Okay, so I think they're doing a pick and roll now, <laughs> you know, by the end of it, you know, that I don't mind if it's like that, but it's like the, the technology is is what kind of like taints it like it, it, sports is about for the most part your pure athletic ability. Okay, yes, you can use technology to, to scout better and this and that. and it, it, Everybody's got tablets on the sidelines or in the dugout or on the bench uh, in all the sports. I've seen them in all the sports, NHL, all that type of stuff. But um, baseball has baseball and football have the greatest, prox I guess, susceptibility to stealing from the other side, and that kind of loses the whole edge about you know the chess match type of stuff, all that, all that. Um, competitiveness and stuff like that i don't know it, it, it's so you it's want unpure. you want natural cheating you know because i, I oh no I, I don't mind i don't mind again i don't mind analog cheating <laughs> yeah. so it, it's a weird world we live in right when we're just like yeah it's that's okay because i, I think the idea is you can't pre-plan for it right right I, I, I go back to i don't know if you guys have seen this the the SB Nation made a video about uh, weird rules, all about Roger Nielsen, uh, mm. NHL head coach, who just found these loopholes in the rule book. And loopholes that weren't like, because, you know, it was back in the 80s, so it wasn't like technology-based, but he's like, okay, let's let's just do this, let's just do that, see what happens, what are they going to do? They can't penalize us for this type of stuff, whatever. And, and, uh, and the NHL had to be forced to change the rules. If it's like that, if the Astros had found a loophole, that would have fixed things like that, then I would have been like, okay, they found a loophole. But here it's just like, oh, they blatantly cheated using technology and this so, whole system. Let me ask you guys something, and I think this is, you know, this is just hypothetical stoking the fire, but I think it's because of the times. Astros win 2017, right? We're now in 2020. So we're not even fully three years removed from it, so we can all agree it's still recent. And our feelings are very butthurt, including yours truly, who is, you know, the, the Yankee captain on this squad here. 10, 15, let's say it never occurred. 2017. We're in 2032. You guys made me do math and I got the year right. We're in 2032. That's when we find out from those retiring pitchers. And the reason why I mention this is because that's where a lot of controversy kind of comes into the Hall of Fame or stuff with Jose Altuve. To, you know, AJ Hinches, to the organization itself. You know, do we feel the same way or are we just, you know, and it might, you know, maybe it opens up, maybe it's just a wrong question asked, but do we have the same relation or feeling towards it now because it's so close in time that might be in the future? And the reason why I ask it, because I, I can sur surely see 
more secrets coming out to other teams or other kind of situations maybe not as big as this but what if the team that is a crappy you know 32 and 130 you know looking at you uh Kansas City Royals and Baltimore Orioles have a similar situation right and then they got that success or even if they didn't have as big a results you know what if they do end up doing that how do we feel about it or is the end day is burning with the stake now because they're a witch and we're in uh you know 18th century Connecticut which hunts. Um, Scott, I lost you a part of that, man. <laughs> I lost you a part of it. Long, long story short, do we feel this fervor to, because you know, we went on Charles Tyree, um, do we feel this way to want to vacate titles, go from there, strip everything and credibility because it's so recent that we found out, whereas in a couple of years, technology could assimilate it to proper science ceiling, and then we just find out they develop stuff many, many years later. And will we have that same reaction? I, I'm not sure. I mean, I, I and who knows? Who knows if other teams have done this type of stuff beforehand? And like you said, maybe if it was a horrible team that was trying to do it, then it's like, okay, well, uh, it didn't clearly didn't work that type of thing. But the fact that it reached such a high level, and you could say directly led to a World Series championship, that's the egregious thing. At, if you see that in the future, I would say the same thing. Like if it's if it's if it's propelling you to success, that you're gonna keep doing it, and it's unfair. So, so I got I got one more question because I don't think I saw this in Manfred, and I, I'll I'll leave it at this on this question. I want to hear maybe Andrew's thoughts on this too. This happened in 2017. A lot of the same major players were selling, except for Cora and of course Beltran, but. How do we know that the 2018 and 2019 seasons for the Astros didn't use the same thing? They were awfully good and awfully successful. You know, they well, we're to about to find out right uh, now, actually. We'll see what, how 2020 mm-hmm. goes. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. So I think we'll 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 cut it from here because we're at the halfway point. So we all know what that means. So it is a word from our non-sponsors, people, places, things, concepts, what have you. We shout them out. We talk about them, and so that's that's what's going down. So, who wants to start for for this week? I'll start since I haven't gone first in a while. Uh, I'm gonna steal your thunder a bit, uh, but shout out to Mr. Jetosaurus Rex behind us, behind me. Um, Jetosaurus Rex keeping Francisco's office safe since like what a week ago, less than a week ago. Um, chilling with his Marlins ice cream ca- uh, ice cream helmet on, um, looking all terrified, terrifying. Uh, short little stubby arms. Uh, may he bring peace and love to the world. Uh, promo code. Uh, what was the other name I I was gonna give him? Uh, don't remember, to be honest. Promo code don't remember. <laughs> okay. Uh, Charles, you want to go up? Yes. So, you know, you guys, I'm moving. I'm not moving too far. I'm just moving the house next door. So, you know, that's a little bit easier for me. But with every great move, you have to get rid of stuff, right? You have to consolidate. It's a little bit smaller room. Currently in my little bachelor pad that I have right now. 
I got like two dressers, a wide and a vertical. Keeping the vertical one, the wide's gotta go. But you know, there's gotta be some uh, clothes, or not clothes, but there's gotta be some things that gotta hang. And I went shopping around, Ashley's Furniture, City Furniture, the thrift shop that I'm connected to for work, to see if I can find myself a big boy closet, you know, a dresser. Something that's like seven levels, seven layers, couldn't find anything. Anything that's within my price tag, because that's the one problem about moving is, you know, you have to buy a lot of stuff. You have to pay some money. And I, I'm very cheap. I'm like super cheap. There's like gaming headphones that I want to buy, you know, for, for not just the podcast my clone, but also play my PS4 when I play Madden and all that stuff. And, uh, you know, Division 2 is three bucks in the PSN network, guys. So maybe that's like my pseudo summit code. I haven't played it yet, but for three bucks, I'll play everything. But, you know, I'm looking at that. It's like $19. I, I'm, I'm cheap. I'm, I, I won't even pay $19. I should because I can afford it. I just want to talk about so I went looking around, I'm like, damn, I gotta, I gotta go get me a new dresser, and you know, I'll, I don't care about matching. I'll have a pink dresser with unicorns on. It doesn't matter to me. I, it's a utility base. But I couldn't find it, so I'm at Target, and in the corner of my eye, I see a organizational closet drawer. So, a dresser, whatever the hell they call it. So for ten dollars, I just get and I hang it. And it has like six shelves I just hang in my closet. It could fill up to like eight to nine shirts. I have a lot of shirts for the gym, pop culture shirts. I had a, I have like three Dragon Ball Z shirts that's been the running theme for, you know, theme for the last three shows. My wrestling shirts. So not only do I feel like a big boy, you guys, but now that my closet in my new feng shui place is going to have the Tembi Thai classic hangers, which you guys should get. I also have a belt hanger, but now I have this organizational closet from, uh, from Target. So my non-sponsor is both whatever the hell the name of that uh, that organizational closet dresser drawer is and Target itself. So we're gonna join it together because now I feel like I feel like a man. I'm pretty sure that once I fully move in, I'm gonna wake up with a full Tom Suck mustache or maybe a Daniel Day Lewis, you know, Gangs of New York mustache. I would actually prefer that. And you know, I, I just I just feel like I get myself together because I only spent ten bucks instead of spending the five hundred dollars or four hundred dollars rip off Ashley Furniture. I'm just saying that right now. I'll pocket that money, and maybe I'll buy that uh that glorious MPOW gaming headset. Maybe that Astro Gaming set, if they still sponsor us, but they don't, so I'm selling out on them right now. Um, but yeah, so whatever that closet hanger dresser thing was, because obviously I had to spawn day pictures, but we'll say it's Target. Target. Now I understand why the uh, the basic girls love it. Target, thank you for having that promo code, big boy. Okay. Oh, fantastic. Ex expect more pay less from Target, everybody. Um... All right, so let's see. Gosh, uh, I should have thought. Well, actually, I'm uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna give it up for, and I, I'm surprised I haven't like done this for them in a while or, or at all. I'm gonna give a non-sponsor to Waze. Uh, Waze is a uh, GPS navigation app. For those who, who don't know, it's it's been quite a godsend, really, for for me. It, it helps with Miami traffic that's for sure that's that's one of the reasons I, I use it even if it's even if um, like right now if I leave from work and go just straight home I know how to get home but Waze helps you filter out all the traffic I mean it's basically it's almost as good as Eve online you know you could probably use Waze on Eve online it's an MMO I mean it's probably got a huge world Waze is is a perfect way for you to navigate uh, the stars and, and space and, and it does that for me in, in freaking Miami and all over the place. I mean, I've traveled to so many places in Louisiana and Texas and Arizona and California, like uh, in Georgia. Like, 
I, I, I don't know what I would do without ways because they help me with the traffic patterns. They help me with knowing which role, which like roads aren't toll roads and things like that. I mean, if you guys have rented cars before in another city, and then they'll charge you up the butt for using a toll road. And it helps me avoid all that stuff and makes me uh, get to places on time. You can plan out ahead of time. Like, hey, I got to be at this place by 8 a.m. in the morning at the courthouse. Okay, where is it? Oh, it's like an hour away. Okay, find me the fastest way to get me from point A to point B. And it does that for you. And it, it uses, I think, Google Maps as its as its base from, from there on out. And it's been great. I, I love Waze. I use it all the time. And I'm surprised I haven't shouted them out. Uh, so far uh, in the 51 episodes that we've, we've done this so uh, uh, promo code um, no more traffic jams actually there are traffic jams but you know it's better than not having it and then you got to write that whole promo code the, the whole thing the whole thing that I just said so waste good job on waste so, uh, that's, that's all I got so all right Let's move on from here. We've talked enough, enough about baseball. Um, hmm. All right, so let me look at our planning sheet here. NBA trade deadline came and went. So, Charles, you have any winners or losers from the from the trade deadline uh, outside yeah. of, outside of the Miami Heat? Yeah, yeah, and this one's kind of weird, but um, it's more for not who you traded for but it's more about waiting until people got waived and i would give it to the bucks because i believe they're getting marvin williams from the hornets because they bought him out this for andrew's purposes trade deadlines and nba are kind of like the shot of adrenaline in your veins to wake up right are the reason why in the first half of the season you can't really gauge how good a team is going to be is because basketball is that sport where you get the one veteran that you trade for that that upstart and it could shift completely your your culture it can shift completely your luck and can help you propel into a deep playoff run unlike baseball which is innocuous looking at uh marcus stroman going to the mets and then football itself unless it's like maybe a defensive player who all they have to do is just beat a lineman um if they're on the line you, you can't do anything if you're like a new receiver half the time or even if it's a new quarterback once your name is jim garoppolo but you know marvin williams provides him with that wing he's like a six foot five forward who can shoot the three he's been in the league for like 14 years to help guide and maybe be that missing piece in leadership because veteran presence in basketball is very important for a young team i don't usually i think a lot of times veteran players are pseudo overrated in other sports not in basketball why because basketball isn't a game of run it's a game of runs so you can get psyched out really easily as a young fella who falls behind 10 15 maybe even 20 points and if you have that stability because you have the coach who calls the game plans basically but then you have the coach on the court and that's sometimes where the veterans come in to kind of gauge you kevin garnett was a great example of it in his winning years in brooklyn and in when he went back to minnesota right. I, I would say he was perfectly fine from um, Boston's now. That's the role of Rajon Rondo and um, what Rajon Rondo was going against I mean, the controversy the in Chicago. Dalla in that sort of sense, the veteran defensive uh, mindset there, and winning culture as well. And here's the thing, you know, to touch on the Iggy thing because we promised ourselves we wouldn't just gush over it like we 
normally do in this Miami Heat thing because we're fanboys, but you're also getting a guy who was the MVP of the uh, finals. So it's a special kind of leadership. He's not going to put up probably more than six points a game, but it's knowing the game, advising other players, and then, you know, being able to guard defensively. Unfortunately for Iggy, he lost in this trade, lost the guy he could probably mentor the best, which would be Justice Wilson. Um, but he was injured all the time now. Yeah, Winslow we doing was fine like, without him. Yeah, oh, Winslow. I mean, yeah. there were, and and now that he's gone, there's, there's been like remarks by some of the writers and things, uh, beat writers from the Miami Heat, that Winslow was kind of getting a bit ornery uh, with this role in the team and the fact that things like that. Or, or, there was some sort of Duke entitlement that he had that he thought. Maybe he should have been more of a of a prevalent player, but he just he just never developed that way. He just never became that player. He was never a number one guy, never even a number two guy. Maybe he could be a number three guy. That could be a possibility. Uh, that could be a ceiling. And you know, he's definitely not going to be number one in Memphis with with Morant there, who's going to be the rookie no. of the year. So yeah. Um, yeah. Other than that. Um, uh, I got a few losers for you. I, I have a winner though. That, he, hear me out on this one. The Los Tell Angeles me. Lakers. Um, and Andrew's back here, and we're talking about the NBA. So I think you'll be sending this one out. And yeah, there we go. <laughs> there he goes. Um, don't worry. We'll we'll get back to hockey and things like that. You play uh, your NHL 2K11. <laughs> so, um, um, the. Let me let me adjust one thing here. So, uh, the one of the things that um, and maybe with like the waivers and stuff like that, buyouts and things like that, um, the NHL or the uh, the Los Angeles Lakers, sorry, were I I would say that they're a winner because they didn't make a change from um, they didn't make a change at all they didn't make a trade whatsoever and, and one of the things that i heard from brian geltseiler who's the, the hoops critic very very knowledgeable nba go read his website go listen to his interviews things like that um he made a remark that the lakers might have been smart keeping this team together after the kobe bryant controversy or not controversy the tragedy um because they're we're, we're like it's, yeah basically they they are um, that is their mantra for the rest of the season is to get one more in, uh, in honor of Kobe and maybe somebody um, gets let go to make room for, for somebody on the waiver wire or that type of thing but for right now they're going to go with this group which isn't a bad group it's it's there, and they're going to have to compete with the, the Clippers and things like that. But they are a winner in my book for not doing anything right now, just from an emotional standpoint. Um, okay, so go ahead. What, one of your losers, uh, one of mine is the Houston Rockets, but go ahead, Charles. Oh, that is. Oh, we perfect. Can, we can double team this. All right, perfect. Yeah. So <laughs> it's both the Houston Rockets and the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, and okay. I, did, I didn't like the Clint Capella trade. I didn't like the Clint Capella trade. It was a money move. It's a money move. It's a complete money move. I'll I'll tack Atlanta first, and then we'll go into Houston. For Atlanta, I don't know what you're trying to do. Because Clint Capella is a good player. 
he is borderline all-star at times for a dying position. Right. As a center, you know, he is the better – He. how do I want to say this? He's the, He's what we wish Hassan Whiteside would have been <laughs> Yeah. we signed him. You know, if, if, like, if Hassan Whiteside at least had his attitude, it would have been nice. So you got to look at what they did for the Hawks. They trade away Torian Prince, to, who is a fine developmental player, to the Nets earlier in the year. They got Collins. They don't know if he's going to re-sign or not. And then you have Trey Young, who's just going to die on that um, that team. And then your next, yes, he went to college there. Um, okay. And I then am following someone. Nice. There we go. Uh, then you're getting, then you get Dwayne Dedman from I think the Kings because they don't want him anymore. And you just trade on. You trade away Jabari Parker, who is always a defensive liability, but he scores, and you don't have a lot of scores on that team. Because your next recognizable guy is um, Vince Carter, and he's just going to get his wealth, <laughs> his farewell yeah, tour. Yeah, exactly. For, for kind of, and I love me some Vince Carter, but I'm going to say it because no one wanted to say it now. He's just trying to milk out as much cash as he can get, the same way that Grant Hill kind of did. It's like, hey, let's stay this league for a long time because we love it, but for some reason somebody wants to play this guy who's been yeah. in the league for 21 years. And, and a good teach amount. the youngins while, while he's there, you know, just whatever. But is he teaching? Because can you teach a team that's fifteen and forty, Francisco? So <laughs> you could okay, teach you can... Trey Young to be a star. That's all he can do. Yeah. So like the thing is, Atlanta had a very weird draft because they made a lot of trades. They traded for Jeff Teague, a former Hawk who wasn't doing anything in Minnesota this year. They're developing in Cam Reddish, and then who's their other guy that they drafted? You know, it, it's beyond me right now. I thought they got a but hey DeAndre Hunter I think um you know it, it's kind of going east nowhere and so it's kind of like hey are you really know what you're doing as an organization are you putting your favorite are you putting your best team around you and then you're getting Clint Compella so maybe you get a kind of like a couple pick and rolls a kind of like pick and pops that come into it or just can set up the screen because that's what he does he rebounds and he screens but you know, when you're trading away for Houston, who already didn't have a lot of roster depth in and of itself, but this is why in the NBA, three team, four trades come in. Right. You really need to fix on that bench because this is their bench right now. Jeff Teague, DeAndre Benbury, Cam Reddish, Vince Carter, Dwayne Dedman. Yeah, Dwayne Dedman's like close to 30. Vince Carter's gonna retire. Cam Reddish is having a hard time, you know, adapting his style to the game, even though he was a uh, first round pick. He was a lottery pick at pick 10. And he's just going on, and I'll just give you his stats briefly. Nine points, 3.7 rebounds, 1.5 assists. Okay, so that's not terrible for a shooting guard, but I guess his minutes are low. Granted, rookies in the NBA either are day one ready or they need a year or two, so go from there. But I just don't see it to it. And then you trade away at least your score because I think you want to kind of be competitive, and you have to probably park in a decent deal. That being said, let's tag Team Houston. Hmm. What are you doing? I, I, what are you doing? They, they're, they... They stayed put. This trade, they, they didn't move. They didn't even move laterally. They just kind of stayed put with it. Like, they made a move, but it did nothing for them. It didn't address their defensive woes, that's for sure. It's still a oh team God. that, it's still a team that, God help them, they, they make their threes because that's all they've got for, going for them. Um, and that's, the, they're a team that is. You're a team maybe, small Yeah, maybe could get a first round win. But once they face the Clippers or the Lakers, anybody competent, they are dead in the water. 
I mean, I, th I think they lost recently to the Utah Jazz, who've been playing awful lately, and they, they they won't be able to beat either LA teams or the Nuggets, and those are the teams to beat. They they're just they're, I don't know what they're doing. It's they, they did something. They, they did something just to do something. That was all they like. Hey, look what we did, uh, and yet nothing happened. Nothing's gonna happen. They're they're what? What, what, what place are they on so far? Um, I think they're in the fifth seed. They're a fifth seed in the West. Hold on, let me let me check the NBA standings right quick before uh, I, I move on. Um, yeah, they're thirty-three and yep, twenty. Yeah, thirty-three and twenty. So they're yeah, and they're a couple games back of Utah. <sighs> they're gonna be struggling just to just to get by, just to get home court. They might be able to do it. And once again, that's if they they get lucky. Their their entire um, mindset mantra is to, is based on luck, and and shooting threes. Exactly, shooting threes and luck, and that's luck runs out very quickly in the NBA uh, when you're breaking threes all the time. So, yeah. uh, what and their first round matchup would most likely be against Utah. Um, and God help them if it's anybody else. And the Jazz definitely have what it takes to beat them in a seven-game series in the first round. Yeah, and for Andrew, we're going to give you a learn-a-goof moment if he's there. The reason why Clint Capella is very important is centers are usually your guy that's covering the post, some of the paint on the drive-in, they're the tall guys. Yes. And, and today's modern NBA, I mean, I love Spolstra because he says we don't talk about positions. We just give you numbers. You're a one, you're a two, right. you're a three, you're a four, five. Mm -hmm. They will also be four as five. Playoff basketball, because basketball is like baseball. Part of the season doesn't matter, or at least I would say. You would agree with me at today's modern day basketball. It's like three quarters once, of the season. Once again, I, I, it, all NBA, NHL, MLB, all of them I would feel would do better with shortened seasons. NFL, Correct. please don't add a 17th game. That is stupid. I, I, anyways, I digress. Sorry. It's good. So, uh, Andrew, the idea is that they are your rim protector because why? In playoffs, the defense actually comes up. They play. You know, there's not those easy lay-ins. There's not the easy floaters. There's contested balls. There's putting guys to the line. And a lot of that comes through your center. And also, centers are good on the offensive output, aside from being the Joel Embiid, who just thinks he can shoot threes because he really can't anymore. Um, they're good for setting up screens where they basically put their body like a wall to prevent the defender from getting to either the guard or the shooting guard. I don't really see a lot of forwards, you know, with the ball handling skills going with uh, center screens, too much of a big thing, but to block him so they can go to the rim. And that's what Capella kind of brought to that game. He was basically your neutralizer for that offensive production, that defensive production. For the Rockets, why applies is just Russell Westbrook's going to get too crazy and shoot too many shots he can't take. James Harden's going to score 40 points going like, you know, 15 and 90 so that's not gonna help eric gordon is more of a bench guy robert covington was their kind of prize trade and he's an underrated player a former you know 76er um but sometimes you got to get acclimated to a season a system and you know the system of mike d'antonio is like basically seven seconds or less so it can't happen austin rivers gonna mm -hmm. chuck stuff up ben mclemore he's still playing what pj tucker is not just playing a forward position but he's also being your center that's small size because your next big guy that you have is slow ass tyson uh chandler tyson chandler hasn't seen meaningful minutes and i can't even tell you 
Um, right. And side note, PJ Tucker, 65. He with the uh, New York Knicks. Yeah, eight years ago? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's what you have going on. So you look at Utah. Who who are they going to match up on? Rudy Gobert, your reigning <laughs> defensive player of the year and now an all-star? I mean, Jesus. And, uh, oh, you know, LeBron's going to attack that post the whole time if they met up. And then in the Clippers, you got a lot of dudes that are coming into it. They're going to get eight up. They're going to get eight up. So it makes yep. no sense. Not just eight and up, then, eight up. Eight up. Eight up. Eight up. You want to know why? They're going to go eight up from their bodies, man, because they're just me offering it like a buffet. Um, and then the only other loser I have, and it really it's dependent on a full season for next year, but I don't like the Timberwolves trade for D'Angelo Russell. Good for the Golden State Warriors because we always said that D'Lo was going to be trade bait, and it worked perfectly because Andrew Wiggins as a third for that Warriors team when everybody is healthy, yeah. watch out because it also lets Draymond Green just walk, right? Because you're already capped in on Andrew Wiggins at a very spry 24, 25, whereas Draymond's yeah. going to be like 29. The Warriors are basically this, – this, this season is a wash for them. So it, they're, 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 readying, they're getting ready for the second act. What a masterful stroke, yeah, though. Exactly. They're going to tank. They're going to get a lottery pick, and they're going to come back with not it's, just said lottery pick. It's almost like like what the San Francisco 49ers just did. They, they, it's evil. Yeah. Yeah, basically. Think, the NBA Francisco, equivalent of that. Think on this. You know, not to predict it next year, but I want to fast forward a year from now. You're going to have Steph back. You're going to have Clay back. Maybe you have Draymond on like a one-year retainer. I don't know. You're going to have Andrew Wiggins ready to kind of play a little bit of jack of all trades, master of none. And then you can use that lottery pick either trade out for a veteran center oh, that's yeah. going to be good. Or you can find a center who can actually be a dynamic. Right. And, and it's just unfair. Yeah. It's just unfair. And it's brilliant because Steve Kerr is just laughing because I think – no one's really, unless you're a casual fan who barely knows the NBA, Which no one's looking at, the, but yeah, but at least you understand Golden State's bad productivity is not because of bad management or bad coach or bad players. Literally, their stars are injured. Yeah. Right. Like, completely. Like, I, so, I, I cannot, I mean, I mentioned this to Francisco a while back, but I think it, it's just a result of them being in the playoffs so much, if that makes any sort of sense. There's a curse of greatness. Because yeah. my 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 thought on it was so it's an eighty two season it's eighty two game regular season and at minimum uh, what is it four rounds in playoffs so it's a minimum of sixteen more games if you somehow sweep every single one which you don't that I don't think that has ever happened so you're talking at minimum a ninety eight game season. Doing that, right. I think they went five straight years deep in the playoffs. Yeah, they did. So, minimum of or minimum of eighty six, let's say. Although I don't think they were ever eliminated in the first round. Um. So let's let's just say eighty six minimum over five years, and you only get. July, August, September, you get like what four months off as opposed to six months off for teams that don't make the playoffs. You're oh, what, gonna get banged up, game? and you yeah. won't you won't have that extra time to recover. So yeah, it makes total sense that they're so injured. Okay, um, hmm. I I think I made 
I think I actually made a valid point in this in MBA, which is incredible. <laughs> so we, we so we, happy. We taught you. We taught you well, buddy. <laughs> okay. Um, I guess yeah. I think that's all we can move on from our NBA talk here. Let's see, we're almost at the hour and a half mark. So give me a second to see. What, uh, let me get one of the smaller segments out of the way since since we're here. Um, let's try. The players remember to forget. So much like the movie Coco, we remember. Uh, insignificant players so that uh, they don't disappear to, uh, to to time and so today I decided to uh, commemorate or remember uh, his name is Anthony Parker I don't even know who that is exactly oh by the way for, uh, by the way Charles yes um, I was thinking about it you were saying eight up yeah is that the next evolution in the in the soda drink? <laughs> Gold star to you. Thank you. It's not seven up. Oh boy. It's eight up. Oh boy. Okay. It, uh, you know, what? if they made a seven up caffeine like Coca Cola does, they should call it eight up. I agree. One other thing. Uh, do y'all remember there was an, a SNES game of Mr. Cool, the the seven up yes. mascot? I do. I don't remember dog. the game, but I'm assuming I probably could find it somewhere. Games we should remember to forget. <laughs> right here. I played that so much as a kid. Uh, I found a clip of a play. I found a play th- uh, playthrough of it on YouTube because you can find anything on YouTube these days. Ah, uh, uh, the nostalgia, man. That was some nostalgia right there. This is how much we love remembering Anthony Parker. That we are remembering a completely. <laughs> obscure Super <laughs> Nintendo game about 7-Up rather than talking about this man. I'm sorry, Mr. Anthony Michael Parker, former NBA player, former shooting guard, and small forward. He played college at Bradley, the Bradley Braves out in Peoria, Illinois. He was drafted in the first round, 21st overall in 1997 by the New Jersey Nets. He was traded to the Philadelphia 76ers uh, and never played for the Nets. And he, he was a journeyman from there on out, played for the Orlando Magic, played for the Toronto Raptors, the Cleveland Cavaliers, played a couple of seasons out in Israel and Italy, and was actually really good in the EuroLeague for, for those teams. He was um, a two-time MVP and a two-time champion, and he is currently the general manager of the Lakeland Magic, the G League team of the Orlando Magic. So that's what he's up to today. So there you go, Anthony Parker. Um, uh, we remember you as fondly as uh, 7-Up. <laughs> God, that, that that really took a turn there. Um, <laughs> anyways, uh, let me, n- n- another smaller segment here. So uh, better know a minor league team. We remember one of the 4 billion minor league teams out there we're going to uh, focus on today. Hold on. Gosh darn it. Let me let me find my my list here. Ah yes, yes I remember this fondly. Um, my minor league team for today are the Jacksonville Icemen. The Jacksonville Icemen play in the ECHL, and um, they were they are affiliated with the Winnipeg Jets. 
for the National Hockey League and the Manitoba Moose of the American Hockey League. They were founded in 1992. They were originally the Mus... Mus I don't know, I'm going to butcher this. Muskogan? Muskegon? Fury? Don't even know. Uh, from 1992 into 2008... I think I, it's Muskegon. Maybe, there's no two E's, but maybe it is Muskegon. Um, Native American pronunciations right. are really yeah. different. Okay. Uh, anyways, they were the Fury from 92 into 2008, playing out in Muskegon, Michigan, uh, for the Colonial-slash-International-slash-United Hockey League. They became the Muskegon Lumberjacks from 2008-2010. I feel like Andrew's going to look up the pronunciation for that name. I'm actually on it right now. <laughs> um, from 2008-2010 for the United Hockey League and then the Central Hockey League. These minor league teams jump from league to leagues, especially in hockey. Um, then they became the Evansville Icemen from 2010 to 2016, playing out in Evansville, Indiana. They were set to move to Owensboro, Kentucky, but that deal fell through. And then a group from Jacksonville snapped them up and moved them on over to, to Jacksonville in 2017. They have yet to win a championship. They play in the Eastern Conference South Division of the ECHL. They play their home games out in Jacksonville, Florida at the Star Veterans Memorial Arena, which opened in 2003, capacity of 13,141 for hockey. And it also hosts the um, former Arena Football League, now now National Arena League uh, team, the Jacksonville Sharks, and the and ABA. There's a, there's another ABA, separate ABA, uh, called the Jacksonville Giants that also play in that arena. And uh, for those, I went really down this rabbit hole. Uh, Vistar stands for Vistar Credit Union. Uh, I guess if you need a credit union out in Jacksonville, you go to Vistar. That's all I got for the Jacksonville Iceman. And have you have you found the pronunciation, Andrew, yet or not? Nah? For Muskogan or Muskegon or Muskegon. Muskegon. Wait, hold on. <laughs> He'll find it. He'll find it eventually. Wait, give me a five-second pause. Five-second pause. Okay. Uh... Like, shut it. <laughs> I was right. It is Muskegon. Okay, perfect. Okay. I, I'm I'm from Oklahoma. I was born in Oklahoma where we have... Uh, what are some of the good... Uh, we have Chickasaw. Uh, here in Florida, you've got Tallahassee, Okeechobee, uh, Chickasha, or No, Chickasha. I'm sorry. Chickasha is in Oklahoma. Chickasaw is in Florida. Um, yeah. I could I could keep going on, but I'm I lived in two states with an incredible number of Native American <laughs> terms, uh, Native American terms and cities. So, yes. Okay. Uh, one last thing about the NBA, I wanted to just touch upon players of the week for the last week. Uh, Nikola Jokic, Nuggets went three and zero. He averaged twenty seven point three points, fourteen point three rebounds, and eight point three assists. In wins over the Jazz, the Blazers, and the Suns. First time he's won this season, sixth uh, Player of the Week award for his career. And Jason Tatum, the second Boston Celtic uh, uh, in a row to win this uh, award. First career uh, Player of the Week award. Averaged 29.8 points, 7.5 rebounds, and 3.8 assists 
while shooting 50% from the field. Celtics won all four of their games over that span, and they've got a pretty nice winning streak going. Um, yeah, so that's it. Okay, moving on. NHL. Actually, we haven't even talked about the XFL. Have we even talked about the XFL? We have not talked about the XFL. Okay, freaking XFL. I actually saw a game. Which one? Probably the worst one. The uh, the New York Guardians versus the Tampa Bay Vipers. Yeah, yeah, that was the game that I saw. Uh, Wasn't, gosh, who's the quarterback for? Aaron Murray. Aaron Murray. Yeah, he did awful. He was awful in that game. Stick to broadcasting, Aaron. He was absolutely awful in that game. There was a, I mean, he literally threw to nobody. It's done a lot of passes where he, the route, like the, the receivers weren't even running their routes because it's like, you're not supposed to throw it to us. The read is the other way. It was really bad. New York looked pretty good. Um, one of the things I saw a YouTuber breaking this down. Uh, I forgot what his name is, but Urinating Tree, I shouted him out before. Um, he was breaking down some of the games that he saw. And some of the things that I did see from the broadcast for the XFL, which I did like. I don't know if you guys caught any of the games. Did you guys? I caught some of some. I, I watched the highlights. I want this to succeed so he stays away from my wrestling, but I don't want him too far gone. Okay. So we'll give him the Twitter pops. Okay. Uh, so um, the games were broadcast. I think ESPN and Fox both covered it. And like real ESPN and real Fox, not like ESPN 40 and Fox Sports right. 49. Well, the first ever game was broadcast on ABC, which is an in, uh, in ESPN affiliate. Um, although, if you make it to, e- uh, make it to ABC... It's all Disney. It's all right. Disney. But that's the big time, because that's... Uh, prime time. Well, not prime time. Or the... It's, like, broadcast. Right. It's not, you don't need cable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Can watch it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Fox covered it twice, and then ESPN, as you mentioned, got the other one. So... Um, Fox has their new NFL package that they debuted with this uh, last Super Bowl. And it looks really nice. I love all the graphics that they've done with this. Um, they really did treat the XFL like like a legit thing that they're taking seriously. Unlike what the AAF was trying to do. The AAF kind of felt like a kind of minor league operation. Or the XFL, yes, it's minor league, but it's... There's a little more to this one than the last, than 1.0 XFL. Um, of course, 20 years have pretty much passed, so uh, that's to be expected. But I really did enjoy how Fox uh, um, presented the game. I love um, the transparency that they tried to in- inject to allow fans to see what the coaches say, what the players say, what the refs are saying, what the refs are watching with replay reviews, all of those things. They have the aerial ref, um, the pace of the game. Uh, I think they have. They don't have kickoffs, right? Correct. That, that was another thing. That, like, How that works is the kicker starts at, I think, the 30-yard line. It's either the 30 or the 35. Um, the other teams are posi- every the other ten off the kicking team players. There are ten teams lined up. I think five or ten yards from each other. Players, uh, ten players. Players. Okay. Um, lined up like five or ten yards from each other near like the thirty. I think. Yeah, something. I like think that. they meet at the thirty, so the twenty-five and the thirty-five mm-hmm. respectively, and then you have one return man behind them. 
neither team is allowed to move until the kick the kick return the returner touches the ball then they're allowed to move and it's a lot safer because you don't have guys running 30 plus yards into each other at full speed so it it's gotten universal uh, universal praise it seems from people trying to find a compromise between kickoffs and player safety I enjoyed the innovation that they've added. I think it adds and like like minor leagues in NBA and NHL and Major League Baseball, the like that's the place to experiment with new rules, with new ways to play the game, with all kinds of, you know, fancy jazz and all what what have you. I don't know if I'll watch week 2. We'll see. I just happened to catch one. I'm like, I'll give a I'll give this a try. So I watch, I think, a, a half and half another quarter. It's like halfway through the third quarter, I saw the, the New York and Tampa Bay game. I might have to adopt another team. The Tampa Bay's re- re- representing the state of Florida, dear God. Um, <laughs> and uh, a, a lot of FCU fans were kind of laughing like, you guys really wanted Bob Stoops to be our coach. He can't even win an XFL game. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, in fairness, Bob Stoops is a beast at Oklahoma. So the the, the thought process behind it is sound. Okay. Uh, anyways, uh, that's my initial thoughts. Don't know what else you guys want to think, want to say about it. Charles, you want to go? Um, listen, with the XFL, I I I'm not gonna watch a full thing of it, but it is a Twitter highlight feed. And for a lot of sports, let's be honest here, no one really watches the full 16, 17 games in a football game or 16 games, not including buys and other stuff that's out there. No one really watches the 162 that you get in baseball or the complete, I don't know, 80-something in basketball. So to have a sport purely predicated, uh, purely predicated on being a highlight thing, I think is a win for them. The ratings or, you know, whatever is the first week. You can't put too much in detail to it, but I know that they had like 3.7 million on their premiere and then two point something on the next day. Well, let like me I say said, this causes. Yes. Sorry. Go ahead. No, no. I mean, just like I said, at the end of the day, it might be good background noise for people who miss um, college football and professional football. But here's the thing. At the end of the day, it, we're talking about it. Right. And we're even talking about it more positively than we are the AF. So I think uh, ball prediction. I've been saying it before. So I'm going to go with this again. I think we get a second season. Well, it's more than the ex- the original XFL was able to do. Um, let me add this, though, to that point you were saying. Already in one week of XFL games, we're talking four games here, they've already outsold the AAF's entire season. Damn. So, something to consider. Vince won? I mean, I felt like I just called Satan, and he said, it's kind of chilly down in hell, but Minnie Mac, the boss, maybe he won. Maybe, I know it's just one week, but that's better than what we were talking about a year and a half ago, right? We were joking about it. Um, yeah, and uh, I think some of the actual physical attendance may have been lower in some stadiums than, than, than the AF, but at the very least... I think the XFL, because they've had longer time to plan out this type of stuff and what have you, I, th- 
I, I kind of agree with Charles. I think we'll get a second season. And depending on how competitive the games get, so because once again, we don't want like blowouts because we have such a dispar like disparity between talent on, on all the teams. If they were all kind of, if there was some nice parity in the league, then it has a chance of surviving for a second season. And and also, once again, if if, if uh, NFL teams are looking at these guys and pick up one or two, you know, you can have a he-hate-me type of player moving on to the NFL um, and, and having somewhat of a nice career and not, not just a practice squad type of guy. So there, there's some hope. There's some hope here. That's that's it. That's all I got for XFL. All right. Yo, that's all y'all got. So. That's all I got. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, NHL. Let me pop through here real quick. Three stars of the week. Uh, Elvis Merzlikens for the Columbus Blue Jackets. Oh, oh no. Oh, but he's their goalie though. Right? Yeah, he's the goalie. He's the Latvian goalie that has. Uh, made them not miss Sergei Bobrovsky for sure out in Columbus. He is the first star. 173 minutes and 39 seconds without allowing a goal. Which is insanity. Uh, he went 2-1-0. and 0.67 goals against average. 971 save percentage. Two shutouts. He has the most shutouts in the league this season. He's got five shutouts. He's a rookie of the year Calder uh, Memorial Trophy candidate. Uh, Kyle Connor for the Winnipeg Jets, left winger. He's the second star. Three goals, five assists for eight points. Jets won seven of eight points for the for the week. And then Andre Vasilevsky for the Lightning, goalie, three and zero, one point six seven goals against average, nine thirty six save percentage. And I'm about to learn a goof here for Charles here. So oh, I man. mentioned the Calder Memorial Trophy. I'm about to school you on what it is. It's the NHL's Rookie of the Year award. Once again, all the awards in NHL have funny Canadian names. And this one is not to be confused with the Calder Cup, which is the American Hockey League Championship trophy name. Uh, but both are named after Frank Calder, who was the first president of the National Hockey League. It was made in 1936, you, although the Rookie of the Year award began being awarded in 1933. Uh, the oldest ever Rookie of the Year was Sergei Makarov for the Calgary Flames. And most likely because he was one of the guys that moved over from the Soviet Union and debuted in the NHL. A lot of there weren't Russian players in the NHL until like the early nineties. Exactly. So some guys debuted very kind of like late in their Page. careers. Yes. Kind of like Satchel Page, if you know who that is, Brian. Yeah, kind of, kind of, sort of. Um, is he even here? Uh, he's there. He's he's listening. He's he's not playing Eve right now, which is a uh, single server space. MMO, okay, even though he probably wants to. You never know. Um, anyways, rules for the Rookie of the Year award. Actually, they were changed because of Sergei Makarov. They changed the rules that you could know you cannot be older than 26 years old by September 15th of your rookie season. So, yeah. How, how long are no guys more old guys? But how long are you typically as a rook? Because I know Crosby came in straight up. Well, I mean, uh, rookies can debut at like 18 or 19, what have you, but they just can't be older than 26 now by so September 15th. if you have an internet, okay, so pause it, but just from my explanation, because you see this often with baseball as well, 
either international players or guys stashed in the minor league. So you get that, I'm assuming, with the Rooks. I guess they, the I guess, I don't know. I don't know what the NHL's thinking was. Maybe because there were so many players coming from the, the Soviet bloc that never could play in the NHL that were coming over. They changed the rules just so you wouldn't have these seasoned veteran men uh, claiming all these rookie of the year awards for at least, at least the next five years of the award after the Soviet Union fell, that type of stuff. Uh, so that's probably why they changed it. Although they could probably get rid of the rule now. Yeah, yeah, the but guy from college, you know, he's going to be 22 when he leaves. Yeah, I mean, and, and, and but there's still a possibility you could have a guy in the minors that debuts at 27 and right. just kills it. But I don't know. It's just I, they made the rule. That's, I guess. But that's probably the reason why back in the early 90s. So. Um, Anyways, to be eligible for the award, a player cannot have played more than 25 games in any single preceding season, nor in six or more games in each of any two preceding seasons in any major professional league. That's their rules. So, uh, here's a fun fact. Wayne Gretzky never won the award because uh, despite having the most points or tying for the most points with uh, Marcel Dion in 1980 in his first season in the NHL, he played his actual rookie season with the WHA back with uh, Indiana and Edmonton. So Wayne Gretzky never won the Rookie of the Year award, which is insane because he pretty much won every other award after that. Um, the current holder is Elias Peterson of the Vancouver Canucks. And uh, looking back at all of the winners, 85 winners of this Rookie of the Year award, 33 of them are Hall of Famers. So it's a pretty good gauge that you've got a good player on your hands. And some of them haven't, like 13 of the last 14 winners are still active in the, NH in the NHL. And I know at least three of them are going to be Hall of Famers. Patrick Kane, Evgeny uh, uh, Malkin, and uh, Alex Ovechkin. So, and he's, I don't know if he scored a 700 goal yet, but he's almost there. He's close. He's close. He could, he could even do Crosby it, right? never got the Calder? Uh, yeah, Crosby never got it. Um, Interesting. I think, I think he... Let's see, Crosby made his debut in 2005-06, which was the same season that Ovechkin debuted. So, ah, there you go. Um, there you go, even though Crosby was the chosen one. Uh, <laughs> either way, both are generational players. Both are going to, whatever, they both won cups. But Crosby didn't win. So that's another interesting tidbit there. Good on you, Charles, jumping up in there. I like that. I I, I know a little bit. Here's the thing. As, as casual as casual can get, from like the Andrew perspective, when we talk about NBA, he knows. I'm guessing the Steph Curry's, he knows the LeBrons, the KDs, you know those certain things. For me, my knowledge is I could probably name like seven or eight real people. So Sydney, Malkin, Ovechkin, Tugarask, and then of course the Panther people that we talk about often. And okay. I, I, honestly, I don't know really much of the Tampa Bay players except for uh, don't don't tell me. I was thinking about them the other day because. Believe it or not, sometimes I think about what we're going to talk on the show. But I saw you guys playing the NHL game, and I thought Vincent LeCavier. I'm like, oh, man, I wonder what would happen to him. But Stamkos. Okay. There, there you go. go. Let's go. See, I, 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 so it's like, I know so, certain guys, and there's guys I'm like, I kind of remember because NHL dudes stay for a long time. Yeah, they, that's, yeah, so that's it, kind of surprising. Like that. NHL players tend to last a lot longer than NBA players in a lot of sense. 
You know? It's weird. Yeah. Which makes you know, zero sense. You would think they'd last as long as NFL players, in some sense. But then again, they're in better shape than a lot of NFL players. Well, that's fair. True. Yeah. Uh, and the game has gotten safer, despite what a lot of people are saying. Uh, with regards to player safety, they do mess up a lot of times, but it is relatively safer than it used to be. Um, you don't have any more Scott Stevens elbows to the head, really. Right. And, uh, well... That's a whole another discussion about how the NHL. There's a debate between whether Ovechkin has it harder than Gretzky had it when he was setting the records, because goaltending was a lot worse way back when, because of the style of goaltender. Because you know, Patrick Wall was kind of the first butterfly goalie. But we can I do can't, a, can I, Oh, sorry. Oh, what were you gonna say? I'm so, that's a whole another discussion for another day, and I want to get into that to learn to do Charles next time about goalie development. Okay. I know you'd like to talk about. Yep. How goalies evolve, you know, Patrick Wall, Martin Berdour innovating, that type of stuff. Um, we'll do that next week. Mm -hmm. I wanted, I'm camping at the bit to get to that one. Okay. Uh, let's see. We are at 152. Shall we head off to Up the to cage? Oh, yeah. Let's move it. Welcome, everybody, to your weekly Truplex. It's Caged with Charles. Now, disclaimer, as always, even though we didn't talk about Fulmore Cup, I'm still going to reference Andrew and his disclaimers because, bringing it back to me, um, you know, wrestling is not fake. It is scripted. It is a dance. It is poetry in motion. It is a story of people chasing championships, glory, legacy. It is a story of man loving a woman, woman loving man, man loving man, whatever you have it. Bad blood, blood feuds. And it's also about variety like days of our lives and as time goes by general hospital the young and restless is how i feel right now gentlemen because i mentioned the last couple times it's wrestlemania season for the wwe which means stuff slows down real quickly awful lot of finger pointing at the wrestlemania sign that's happening in tampa this year i still don't know if i'm going to go i kind of think i'd rather just go to the nxt takeover and then maybe go to the either Friday Night SmackDown or the Monday Night Raw, but it depends on what we're building because we're still slowly churning so, along. So hold on, before the okay, so WrestleMania is when? April, April third. Okay, and is there like, I guess kind of how like the NFL does like Pro Bowl and that type of stuff for the Super Bowl? Is there a run up so, with other events near Tampa when that happens? No. What I will explain to you is this: WrestleMania weekend, the way it's planned out this year is like the three hangover movies combined where you're just going to have zany adventures in the effect of wrestling because to cap it off the friday before the pay-per-view because pay-per-views are on sunday you have friday night smackdown on fox which will be in tampa then you have the nxt pay-per-view remember nxt is its own little minor league that sometimes shows up to the major league so it's like the little kid who gets to sit at the big kid table on thanksgiving they get their own pay-per-views and those are usually awesome they don't have the match card coming up yet. Why? Because this week, this Sunday, is NXT TakeOver Portland. And we'll talk about that in a second as I dive, as I you know, get back to it, but to give you an idea. So you have that kind of wrestling, right? So you have the NXT TakeOver pay-per-view in Tampa. And then you have WrestleMania, the, uh, the, the showcase of the Immortals, as Vince McMahon likes to dub it, um, which is usually like a seven-hour wrestling fun fest orgy, I guess is what I'll call today, a mixture of wrestling and sports entertainment combined, and you either come across saying, eh, you have a card across saying, man, it was a good pay-per-view, but damn it, it wasn't long, 
or you just come around like being the toxicity of the internet wrestling community saying everything sucks it's not the 1990s i remember the ruthless aggression era i remember the attitude era we can't live in the past all the time you want to revisit that era pay 9.99 a month for the uh, wwe network worth the investment and watch your stone colds rocks not that okay, i'm saying boomer. that you have any of those <laughs> okay boomer not that you're having any of those O stars here uh, that you could build over, but you know, I can't live in the past. I gotta go one foot in the present, one foot forward in my wrestling pal. And then you have the Monday Night Raw in Tampa. And that's usually when you get the nice little pop surprises like last year. For example, Undertaker was not at WrestleMania, but he showed up on the Monday Night Raw, so it was a nice little surprise for people. And so yes, I understand. The pops outside of WrestleMania, right? Um, yeah, I. I saw this video from a few years ago. It was up in uh, the Prudential Center up in New Jersey. Mm -hmm. And I, that was the year that Dolph Ziggler cashed in the money in the bank against yes. uh, Alberto Del Rio. All right. So there's a reason why behind it. So it's to because learn a, a lot of moment. international fans. No, but oh. to learn a goof moment. Get your pens and pads because everybody's learning here. <laughs> for, and even for people listening, a pop is when the crowd goes wild, right? It's like a game-winning touchdown at the Super Bowl when you're down by, like, six, and then you go for the two-point conversion. Pops, usually, there's the ones that come in where you have the old veteran who returns, such as Edge, coming to Royal Rumble, which still might be the biggest pop I heard once you heard the You Think You Know Me. Um, or maybe you get the big pops when there's a long-term story investment that has a fantastic payoff. Mm -hmm. Case in point, Dolph Ziggler winning the World Heavyweight Championship, I think it was either 2011 or 2012, yeah, won the Money in the Bank. It was Mr. Money in the Bank. You don't know when he's cashing it in. You Wait, don't know when he's cashing The anticipation was so much. For Francisco, yes. at least, what is Money in the Bank? Thank you all. Okay, by the so way. money in the bank. I know you know a little more, <laughs> lot, a lot more than I do about wrestling too. So, well, well, money in the bank, and we talked about it when we did have money in the bank pay per view back in June. Is there's a briefcase because everything's got to be a proper gimmick. Wait, is this is, is this that briefcase thing that was on WWE No Mercy on the N64 when they climb up and they're all trying to get it all at once? Different one. No, oh, but okay. it's akin to that. It's okay. akin to that now. Because you go on a ladder and you pull it down, it's usually six people who try to get it, and whoever wins it gets a guaranteed championship, like world heavyweight or universal championship at this point because things have changed, um, contract, and you can cash it in at any time. The champion, the strategy is usually the champion has a match, he's fatigued, he might have retained, he's exhausted, and then you come down that ramp, your music hits, you got an intense face going on, and you say, I'm cashing it in, and everybody like loses their minds. Um, so that's what Ziggler did. Alberto Del Rio had a match against, I forgot, um, I remember Ziggler coming down. Ziggler comes in, he's with Biggie Langston and AJ Lee. He's strolling in and he's like, I'm cashing it. I'm cashing it. And Dolph Ziggler is kind of like one of those underrated greats who can never get the character over, but people respect the game that he can present to everybody. And so everybody's losing their mind. And they had like a little mini match until... Yeah, Alberta was trying. You got a little, you're like, oh man, you know, what's going to happen here? Is Alberta going to retain? Like, is this going to be a failed cash in? Because this is when the WWE was starting to turn that now because everybody was always cashing in. You had a high percentage of winning, but now they had to kind of go on a downward trend. And then what happens is Dolph hits the zigzag, covers, and wins. And Which the crowd erupted because 
he had the he had the briefcase for almost a year. So imagine being a fan of the days of our wrestling, going in every Monday, every whenever SmackDown was eight years ago. So let's just say it was Thursday, watching it, watching it, watching it, watching this guy win, doing other feuds, keeping his eye on the prize, and finally have that payoff. The crowd pops, the crowd reacts. So that's your pop, that's your learning group moment. So that's typically what the pops might be when you get a returning veteran in Raw, or a guy returning from injury, or a girl returning from injury. So it's a lot of wrestling, but it's like the hangover field movies where you're like, oh man, so much crazy stuff has to happen. All I need is Ken Jong just come out of nowhere. So I'm trying to figure that out. Other eyes on the prize for the wrestling with the cage, you know, as we try to climb out of this cage and back in the sanity of the world of sanity. Take over Portland's this weekend. The match card is kind of, uh, I'm kind of there. I'm kind of there for it. Uh, it's November 16th. I just have to verify it. So the matches oh, that right. we have. Dolph Ziggler is a stand-up comedian too? Yes, and he's also a uh, political analyst for Fox. Really? He's a guest commentator. Dear yeah. Lord. Wow. Swiss yeah, Army he, Knife. Uh, you know, Swiss Army Knife. You know, and plus you got to remember, wrestling uh, transitions very much into the media post-career. Um, so look at The Rock. Edge himself was on Vikings and like a sci-fi show. It was also an episode of The Flash, but I stopped watching The Flash after season two because it just wasn't good anymore. I, I digress. Uh, NXT TakeOver Portland matches that you guys need to know about. Adam Cole versus Tommaso Ciampa. The storyline behind this is Tommaso Ciampa had to vacate that NXT title that he won way back when because he had a neck injury. You thought his uh, you thought his career was over. Adam Cole picked up against Johnny Gargano, and the whole premise is, I never lost my belt. You need to give me back that title. I want it. I never lost you. And Adam Cole's like, here's my middle finger, and here's my other one in your eye, and you take it. I'm very excited for the feud. They built up slowly. Ray Ripley versus Bianca Belair. Eh, don't care because they're propelling Ray Ripley versus Charlotte Flair, who won the Women's Royal Rumble. And so you already kind of spoil what happens in the in-between between now and your WrestleMania season or your WrestleMania match. Don't get me started on that. Finn Balor versus Johnny Gargano. You guys... If I had to give you a wrestling wet dream right now, it would be this match. Because Finn Balor, having a rough time on the main roster, comes back after getting murdered by The Fiend at SummerSlam uh, to go back against Johnny Gargano. And it's been good storytelling because he came back. You thought he was a face. You thought he was just going back to get the title. He was saying, you know, my past becomes my present. And then Johnny Gargano, who has been Mr. NXT. If I had to even be this ballsy and say it, he has been to NXT what Hulk Hogan was when WWE first came around, when they were WWF, is because Johnny Gargano has really been, in my opinion, transcended to getting the fan base, mainstream, and diehards into it. And then all of a sudden, Finn Balor's like, screw this guy. Just complete heel turn, destroys him. Johnny's kind of injured already, so they took time off. They said it was because of the attack. And now you got these two going at each other. And here's the thing, I don't know who's going to win. I have a sneaky suspicion. Whoever does win, doesn't even matter. Because I think at my Tampa takeover, it's going to be prior wrestling men that we talked about, Adam Cole, Tommaso Ciampa, in a fatal four-way match against Finn Balor and Johnny Gargano for the main gold. I get excited by that because it's like it's like finding out that this dessert that you're getting is not just cheesecake, but also has ice cream on top of it, and I salivate. <laughs> I salivate. Ooh. Keith Lee versus Dominic Dijakovic. Definitely about it. Those big guys can go any day. Keith Lee has been electric. Dijakovic it has lost a little bit of steam, but they put on some good matches on NXT. I should send you guys clips on that. Um... Undisputed Era versus the Brozaways for the Tag Championship belts. Eh. 
it's not that I hate either teams. I love the Undisputed Era, and I like both Matt Riddle and Pete Dunne, but I don't like makeshift tag team wrestling, meaning the fact that you have the Undisputed Era, who are legitimate tag team partners in the ring. You know, they have a sequence of events. They've been teamed together for years, even the independents. And then you have Matt Riddle and then Pete Dunne, who up until this tournament that they had to get you a title shot had never tagged up before, teamed up before. So it's kind of like a spit in the face. That's as if, you know, to give you an example, that's as if we just got replaced, Andrew, by Francisco with dudes he's never done podcasts before. And we would say they suck. Andrew and Charles are going to make their own podcast. We already have. Shh, don't tell anybody. Um, <laughs> you know, conspire against them. And we should win because we had that chemistry together and we got each other's backs and we have awesome, cool finishing moves. Dakota Ty, uh, what, Kai what versus What is the state of the Broser weights? What the hell is that? Okay, so the Broser weights is a mashup because Matt Riddle is a bro. He basically looks like oh, okay. a Jacob Spicoli. And then Pete Dunne... Actually, wow, he doesn't look like a bro. Okay. <laughs> he is a bro. He is a super bro. Good wrestler. Like, if I had time to do the highlight, I would probably pop him on a special, but we'll do that for a different day because, uh, you know, the spotlight highlights wrestling is for when when it's kind of slow. Here, I'm so excited. I'm salivating enough because I got one other thing to talk about. And then the other match is just... Um, it's coming back to me. Dakota Kai versus Tegan Knox, street fight. They had a match on NXT. There was some interference that came in there, but this is the payoff to the war games where Dakota Kai did a betrayal. I love betrayals. I love the fact that we're getting a street fight. It should be dirty. That being said, let's switch over to AEW New Japan with like the few minutes I got on them. AEW, I don't know what you're doing, man. You know, Cody got lashed up. He had a part of the stipulation going against MJF was he can't touch MJF at any point. MJF is like the new heel, Maxwell, Jacob Friedman is his name, but you know, when we hate villains who are ascots, they get initials instead of full-out names, but he lashed Cody 10 times with a belt, and it was graphic. If you pop it onto the Twitter, you're going to see that man got lashed out like it was a movie about torture, like we were watching the new Saw movie starring Chris Rock, which is called Spiral. I don't know if I'm going to see it. I'll talk to you guys about that on a different day, but Cody, you know, trying to put in that selling, you got the fans the best in motion. I was a little bored by the end of it because it took too long. But, you know, it made MJF looking like a fool because at the very end, Cody took his 10 lashes. And then what happened? MJF with the typical heel move, unhappy that Cody took all the 10 lashes. Because remember, it's part of a stipulation for them to meet at a pay-per-view. He gets kicked in the groin. And then MJF is just leaving. There's a lot of heat. So at least you have a top heel. But the problem is, my personal opinion, you still need to add some credibility and rub to the AEW Heavyweight Championship. And I'm not necessarily fond of the idea that Cody Rhodes versus MJF gets people more excited to watch your pay-per-view that you're charging $50 a month instead of your main title, which is held by Chris Jericho against John Moxley. Remember the big free agent that you got from the WWE because John didn't want to be Dean Ambrose anymore. He wanted creative control. So now he's going through with an eye patch. But maybe I'm wrong. Maybe the idea is that even though the story has been better told by Cody and MJF, that we're going to get a better match out of Jericho and Moxley. We'll see. Do I think that Revolution, which I think is later this month on February 27th or 28th, means that Moxley walks away with the champion? Maybe. But if I told the story, I wouldn't have him win it. But that's for a different theory, a different day. Switching over to New Japan. They had new beginnings happen. Kenta versus uh, Tetsuya Naito for the double championships, Intercontinental, Intercontinental and Heavyweight Championship. Dang good match, you guys. If you One day I will explain to you in full the difference between Japanese wrestling and the American wrestling that we got going on. But it was broody, it was uh, bloody, because Naito split his uh, forehead open on an exposed turnbuckle. So he looked like he went to war and finished off Kenta with Destino. I love me some Tetsuya Naito. He's basically like a Yu Hakusho character. It's awesome. Um, 
he's part of the full stable. I got to talk to you guys more about it at a different time. On top of that, uh, John Moxley, who's also in AEW, he has a contract with uh, New Japan. He defended his um, U.S. championship over there, the New Japan U.S. title, over there against a Minoru Suzuki. Excellent match. Minoru Suzuki, 50 years old, looking crazy at always, laughing as he's getting decimated, only to have his Suzuki gun stable mate, um, Zack Sabre Jr., at the end of the match, because Minoru lost. Zack Sabre comes out of nowhere and just chokes out uh, John Moxley, therefore getting his new title shot or saying that he's a new challenger. Full disclaimer, here's the thing about New Japan. They don't play off the story drama. They don't go really for number one contendership matches. It's just next guy up. You earn your keep. So it's kind of basically like a brawl for all. So it adds a different kind of mindset. But New Japan wrestling is kind of hot right now. I know I feel like Dave Meltzer. You guys don't know who it is. But Dave Meltzer, if I had to tell you, would be kind of like the... Um, who's the guy who does Bill Simmons. He's like the Bill Simmons oh, of that kind of wrestling, which all he talks about is even though there's 30 other or 29 other teams in basketball and 29 other teams in baseball, you find Bill Simmons just never shuts the hell up about the Celtics, right. the Red Sox, and then 31 other teams, and then the New England Patriots. Because Dave, that's Dave Meltzer. He just loves New Japan wrestling. He's not wrong, but you got to remember, wrestling is not just the dance. It's also a soap opera. So sometimes I love the whole, like, hey, I've been kind of like having an affair with your wife storyline because it, it's all about that payoff, right? The same thing about Dolph Ziggler coming back and just cashing his money in the bank nine years ago. It's about the payoff. Or Edge waiting for him to attack Randy Orton nowhere because he returned from the ring eight years later from a severe neck spinal fusion injury to win something at a Mania match against him, hopefully with the help of Christian. And I think that's what I got for you guys today at the cage. Oh, dear Lord. Oh, it was a lot. Oh, man, that was, oh, <laughs> yes, applause take a, to that take one. A, take a bow there, Charles. <laughs> You're out of breath there. Ooh. Like it's an, a struggle in the cage. Sound like know. an ex-Vel player. Remember, when you get into the cage, you come in yourself, but you come out somebody completely different. Are you are you going to WrestleMania? <laughs> he's he's I, debating I it. He's debating because, it. Because Andrew, it's gonna be like seven hours, and then the money, because I could just pay ten bucks a month and just watch it at the comfort of my home, eating Jersey Mike subs like I did last year. It's a true dilemma. Maybe you can watch I, it on a pirate ship. That is true. That is that, that is true. And I have been to Raymond James Stadium. I was there. You could last eat Jameis Winston's turnovers. I mean, Jameis Winston's just going to be there too because he's going to transition. Maybe Tom Brady will be there. <laughs> <laughs> the, the Buccaneers sign him. Could you imagine? I mean, or at least Philip Rivers. <laughs> there's a possibility because it's you know you know who lives in Tampa for wrestlers, right? Hulk Hogan. Yeah. I don't care much I for mean, Hulk Hogan. I mean, WWE's headquartered in Orlando, right? Um, their performance center is. Oh, okay. Uh, their, their main headquarter is Connecticut. Oh, okay. But no, also, there might be a possibility that Ric Flair's there. And you guys, mm. I love me some Nature Boy. Woo! And I will, I yeah, woo! And I will, uh, I will scream so loud that if I saw him, I'd probably stand up so quickly that I break an ankle. Because <laughs> he's so freaking iconic. He made hummus famous with that Sabor stuff. Have you? So I, I don't know if you've. No, there's a guy that goes to like every Florida Panthers home. He's I guess he's a season ticket holder. He looks like Ric Flair. We call him Panthers Ric Flair. He looks like him. <laughs> you know, you, you gotta love it because I love it. But yeah. Right. I, so I'm thinking about it, Andrew. I'm thinking about it. I will be in one of those big four. I just don't know which one exactly. All righty. Okay. So I think that wraps up 51. 
don't know what else to tell you guys. Uh, this it's been it's been a good one. I'm uh, gonna apologize in advance to uh, to BU. Uh, we were gonna cover a bit of the the we were gonna cover analyze the bean pot, but we didn't get to it today. Uh, we'll do it next week. Although I'll just give a quick update on the women's bean pot, which is currently going on uh, in Boston, obviously. Uh, currently, it is Northeastern two, Boston University one, with ten thirty-five remaining in the sorry ten thirty remaining in the second period, with a four-on-four penalty and a and a Northeastern player actually just got ejected. So, uh, fun fun stuff. Okay, so that's it. Uh, I, I'm done. I'm out. I'm hungry. Adios. Peace. See you later.